0: Hello and welcome to episode 56 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com and joining me as always are Benno and Jamesy and uh, I mean what a difference a fortnight makes lads I mean so much stuff has happened since our last show I mean uh, I mean where do we even start I mean Benno you've been hit the worst with it I mean you've been on self-isolation all week haven't you
1: yeah remember WXW 16 (laughs) carat remember when that was a thing (laughs) Jesus yeah I, I went on the uh the post hangout didn't I last Thursday to talk that, and then by the time it came to to be on the show, like all hell had broken loose in in just in that twenty four hours and while we were recording as well um and then even since then you 're right yeah it's another week now, and the world feels like it 's changed again uh it 's been crazy like for me especially i have i've been in pretty much since that show <laughs> i've been in self isolation like I, I I think I mentioned on the show I had a bit of a sore throat. Went into work Friday because, you know, the advice at that point was, you know, the government advice was if you don't have any of the obvious symptoms, then, you know, essentially carry, keep calm and carry on, which is apparently the British way. Uh, my boss actually sent an email <laughs> saying that to us last week. Couldn't believe it. What a, oh, dear. Yeah, I know. But like, we, so I went in on Friday and then Friday night, I did start to come down with a bit of a cough. And then Saturday, Sunday, it got really bad. I had a fever. I had some pains. I had a headache. Pretty much everything that's you know ticks all the boxes. Really, I've been extremely tired, and lethargic. Um, but you know, in the in this country, the advice is if if you have all those symptoms, which are all the symptoms of the coronavirus, you self isolate. So that's what I've done. You know, I'm doing the full seven days. I've still got a couple of days to go with it. I can, I can thankfully say I'm feeling a lot better now, but. Yeah, you know, if anyone listened to me on Grapple as well on Monday, I was talking about it saying I had had a cough, but I wasn't sure if it was quite, you know, the bug going around that it was quite Mm -hmm. COVID-19. But I would pretty confidently say I haven't spoken to, you know, a couple of doctors that I know just generally, you know, the the amount of traveling I did in the last couple of weeks and just, you know, my symptoms, like I say, the fever and the cough and all the other stuff. I think I very likely have had it this last week, um, you know, and it wasn't fun. It could have been a lot worse. Uh, I, for me, you know, as someone who's relatively younger, 35 and healthy, it's been like having, you know, a really bad cold or having, you know, the flu, but not particularly, you know, a serious flu. Just feeling horrible for a few days. So I do count my blessings if I did have it that, you know, I'm feeling like I'm coming out the other end of it at this point, my hair. Uh, Dave melts a cough that I was joking about on uh, on Grapple on Mondays <laughs> pretty much gone away, so I don't need to hit the mute button too much tonight. Uh, but yeah, it's been a it's been a crazy week, and yeah, it's just obviously anyone else has those kind of symptoms. That is the advice: self isolate. We're not doing any testing in this country at the moment, so I wonder if I'll ever truly know. Uh, but obviously, yeah, the, the safest thing to do has to be has been to stay at home. It's meant I've got to watch plenty of wrestling this week. Watch more WWE than. Would ever be healthy, uh, I think, (laughs) uh, unless you're John Away and it's your literal job. Uh, But yeah, all in all, I've just been uh, trying to keep myself sane with that this week. So yeah, it's been a crazy week.
0: Yeah, I mean, so obviously so. Glad you're uh, starting to feel better and, and come round a bit. I mean, do you think it's something. I mean, there's been many cases coming out of 16 carat. Do you think it's maybe something you caught over there? I wonder. I mean, I said that
1: to John away. You know, do I regret going to see 16 carat at this point? Was it a foolish decision to go travel into Germany? I mean, the world you know at that point i think the everyone's attitude to it was yes this is serious but it wasn't taken mm. quite as seriously until you know the week later when it, it all seemed to seem to explode should Carrot have even taken place in the first place that's a question you know we can't ask at this point with everything else being cancelled you know it. It's possible I've heard of one other person who has you know similar symptoms and a couple of other people who've had you know coughs and the like. But you know the amount of traveling, you know, you do. I, I went to Br- 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 Bratislava the week before, and then even just going to Germany, you know, to the, the travel through airports, train stations, coming back, more train stations, mm-hmm. more buses, more people. You know, I went to London a few weeks ago as well. I think this is just something that it's it's gonna become so prevalent. It's sad to say, and I think uh, most people. If what I had this week was it, I think I'm probably going to get it. You know, a a good chunk of people are. and I think it is just so common now that it is tough to really, to isolate and pinpoint. But yeah, I would, obviously if Carrot was this weekend, I think I'd uh, I'd definitely not be going.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think at that point when Carrot was still going on, it was that attitude of keep calm and carry on, wasn't it? Mm. I think everyone was still in that sort of, like. I think even up to sort of like, Around this, this past weekend, people have still had that sort of mindset and still we start getting this advice from the UK government about sort of like cutting down w- your meetings with people and going out and things like that. But I mean, James, the Ovening island, I mean, you guys seem to have been on it for, mm-hmm. since it first started, really
2: absolutely yeah like and it's I, I was just going to say there beno like clearly you're 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 not yourself if, if you're sitting at home watching rod and SmackDown. <laughs> full. like i, I think just, i think i think maybe a trip back to your doctor is in order like that, Mate, that doesn't sound like you at, all, at all
0: unbelievable <laughs> yeah. what am i doing I think you, you'll be watching think, nxt uk next week. oh no no, no. <laughs> that's that all call. in the can that's all in the can crowds and everything
2: that's it <laughs> That's how, we, that's how we know you've really got it badly if you start watching that yeah, yeah come check on me if you find
1: that I'm watching that or ICW
0: come find me
2: <laughs> yeah, <my And> <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> but, but yeah like the, 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 like the, we give the Irish government an awful lot of flack over here and I think the vast majority of it is is, is very much justified in the way things have been handled in this country in the last few years but like the, in fairness to them we actually don't even have a proper government here at the moment we, we had a general election there I think it's, it's a few weeks ago. It feels like a year ago at this stage, with everything that's happened. Um, we're, we kind of have a, a situation where the, 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 our, our doll—it's called our parliament—is is completely split. So there has there actually isn't a, a proper government in place at the moment. It's kind of like the, the, the old government, and the old Taoiseach or, or leader is, is still in, in place. Um, but like, you have to give them credit for the way they've handled it over here. You know, like it, it's nearly a week ago now. The schools were closed down. Um, like the unprecedented thing of of every pub in Ireland was closed on St Patrick's Day like oh. I, I doubt we'll ever see that happen again um they they've they've done it quickly and they've done it swiftly they're they're testing people i feel like Compared to how it's been handled in the UK and the US, I, I feel lucky to be living here and, and I feel like we've, we have we have a reasonable handle on something that is extremely difficult to control. You know what I mean? And Like it's inevitable that a virus is going to multiply and a virus is going to spread. But, you know, um, I, I really don't think the Irish government could have done any more than they did um it was a really strange feeling there um on st patrick's day um leo Varadkar, the 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 interim Taoiseach, i suppose we could call him um addressed the nation at 9 p.m. and it like it, it felt like a big moment in our lives you know one of those moments where you kind of think you'll, you you know you remember 911 you remember these big big news items you'd always remember where you were like and i, I kind of always remember sitting there on my sofa just watching his address and and You know, for for a prime minister, that's a Taoiseach, as we call him, that we we would have viewed as maybe not the greatest speaker at times and not the most decisive. Like he he did speak really, really well, you know what I mean? And Mm. I felt reassured by him, you know what I mean? And and that's what you want from your leaders, I think, in a time like this. Just a little bit of reassurance and a feeling like the people in charge kind of are on top of things and they know what they're doing. And, And I do get the sense that. For the most part, we, we have been pretty good about that over here. I, I'm sure you guys don't feel the same sentiments about Boris Johnson and the way he's been handling it. I was going to say, imagine that, Martin. Imagine feeling confident and secure
1: in your, uh, <laughs> <in> your government. <laughs>
0: Oh. yeah it's certainly been it certainly feels like uh over here they're walking through a sort of like sandstorm not knowing where to go and not clue where they i mean it's just it just seems to have been crazy around the world does not it? it just it, it's like benno noted there i mean 16 carat feels like it was last year at this point doesn't yeah. it i mean and it was only like a couple of weeks ago i mean uh obviously without going into too much detail i work at nhs hospital and you, This must be one of the most stressful work weeks I've ever had getting prepared for this thing. I mean, as much as we've seen the worst of people, the stockpiling and the ram raiding of sort of like supermarkets, some of the best of people, I mean, some of our work colleagues and things, and the Lent people are going to to get ready for this thing. So, yeah, it's just been. It's just been surreal, I think. It's just because you just feel like you're on, like, as much as sort of, like, life's going on to a certain extent. I mean, a, a load of people are in Benno's position, aren't they, of having to sort of, like, you know, self-isolate and stay at home and things like that. And and we're seeing it in, I mean, obviously, we'll get onto the wrestling in a bit, but... Uh, we're just seeing it in everything, just like people, I mean, you see some of the pictures of sort of like London, and it looks like a sort of like ghost town and things like that, and it just seems like something out like to 28 Days Later, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it, it's weird, it, and, it, and we're all in it as well, like that's the, it, it's a global story, isn't it? Everybody throughout the world is connected by it, and affected by it, and having to deal with it, and yeah, like you both said, we're all seemingly dealing with it differently, but it really has just... Stop the world, hasn't it? Um, I can't. This is obviously something we're going to be talking about for years, isn't it? I'm sure people are probably sick of hearing about it on podcasts. But how (laughs) it it, it affects everything, doesn't it? From wrestling to you know the Premier League getting cancelled, which actually wasn't even a thing when I was uh sat there with John away on the hangouts unbelievably a week ago. They were still planning on going forward (laughs) with the fixtures. Uh, it's it's it, it, yeah. you know, we can level criticism at governments and level criticism at, you know, the way different countries handle it and stuff, and a lot of that is justified, but I just don't think anybody knows how to deal with it. It's a completely an unprecedented situation, and yet it's the type of thing in years and years we are going to be talking about, aren't we? It just feels like it, it is one of those where were you moments, how did this affect you, um, that's going to be talked about forever.
0: I mean, on the wrestling front, obviously, we've had tons of cancellations. I mean, sort of like the major one was OTT. I mean, obviously, that must have been a massive loss for the company. But it was great to see everyone sort of like rallying around them with the GoFundMe that was set up and people subscribing to their on-demand service. And then they had a, a sort of like a watch-along with the... Scrappermania from last year so it was really good to see everyone sort of like rallying around OTT because obviously they must have lost quite a bit on uh, cancelling that show I would have thought Jamesy
2: yeah and that's the thing like and I mean I, I'm even thinking back to It seems like a lifetime ago, like this time last month, I was excited, excitedly looking forward to the kind of the the biggest, the biggest week of wrestling in the year. Really, like there was going to be 16 cars and all the stuff that goes with that and then fly home a couple of days in work. And then we would have had Scrap remaining weekend the following weekend, you know, and in the end, I missed both. (laughs) Um, I like the last time I was on the show, I'm pretty sure I was planning to go to Carrot. I had been I had been looking at the news very, very closely. Like, I don't know the amount of times I searched in Twitter coronavirus Germany in, in, in the week before Carrot mm-hmm. had happened and that kind of thing. And, um, like, I, I'm like yourself, Martin. I work in, in, in the public health service here in Ireland. And um, I spoke to my boss on the Thursday that I was due to fly to Karis. I was due to fly on the Friday. Spoke to her on the Thursday she said, there's there's no reason why you shouldn't go. You know, no reason why, you know, you need to do anything when you come back. Go off, have a few drinks, enjoy yourself. And I I got her blessing and I was delighted. And that was the first time I fully relaxed about going. I had been very much on tender hooks about the whole thing and worrying about, should I go? Should I not go? Would flights be cancelled while we were over there? Would we get stranded there? Would the work say I had to self-isolate when I came back on this kind of thing? And then I got um, I was on my way home that day, happily thinking about, you know, I had my taxi booked for the airport the following morning, bright and early. I was at the ATM about to take my cash out for the weekend and my phone buzzes in my pocket. And as my boss saying, she'd just been watching the news and they had changed the rules for people working in the health service um, in terms of coming back from, in inverted commas, coronavirus affected areas. So like this, this is 5 p.m. on the Thursday and I'm due yeah. to fly at, at, at 6 a.m. on the Friday. So I couldn't oh. even let her clarify it with her bosses the next day what a coronavirus affected area meant. Um, and I kind of mulled it over and I talked to my wife and I said, look, you know what? It's not worth chancing it like it, it really wouldn't be possible for me to come home. And ha-. like and the way it is in Ireland is if you're the first person who's done something They'll be extra careful with you, so like I would have been the first person in in our work area to have gone abroad say in the, in the midst of all this. They almost certainly would have said, just to be sure self isolate for two weeks, and I was thinking that's mm. not really something I can do at the moment, like at that point, schools are still open, and none of none of this crisis had hit at all, like you know what i mean the life in Ireland was going on as normal, and I'm picturing myself like not able to bring my kids to school it just It just wouldn't have worked, you know um, and so I took the decision not to go. So that was my first wrestling holiday gone. And then as the week developed, it became apparent pretty quickly that that Scrapper Mania was going to be cancelled as well. You know what I mean? And at that point, things had gotten so serious that it had gone from being disappointed about not getting to see a wrestling show to kind of thinking fair play to them. They did the right thing. You know what I mean? And I, I do... I do think OTT deserve an awful lot of credit. Like they have been guilty in the past on certain matters of maybe not being the best at communicating things to fans or communicating things to fans in a way that maybe rubbed them up the wrong way in that kind of thing or or being a little bit slow to respond to fan queries about certain things. But in fairness to them, like they they put up a notice kind of on, on, on their Twitter, maybe on the Tuesday or Wednesday saying, look, we're discussing it with the public health people. We don't know what's going to happen, but we will let you know as soon as possible. And, you know, the safety of our fans is up most in our minds, you know, and just things like that. You know what I mean? It, it just kind of it puts it in perspective for people. And it reassures you that they're on top of it and they're, you know, they're, they're looking into it. And when the announcement came, I think it's it's it, it shows, I think, the credit they have in the bank with people. Like there is a huge amount of goodwill amongst Irish wrestling fans towards ott you know what i mean like we we were kind of talking about it in our in our irish group chat there um in the in the kind of couple of hours after it was Cancelled, and there was disappointment on one level. Obviously, you know what I mean. We're disappointed we don't get to see John Moxley, and disappointed about certain things that we wouldn't get to see over the weekend. Disappointed that Mustache Mountain are still the OTT tag team champion, <laughs> things like that. I don't think we're we'll ever going to be get champions
0: those. forever, then I, I, I don't. I, I think just it's just cursed.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think it's just cursed at this stage. Um, but, but like we were also saying, you know, like we wouldn't even be in this group chat. We wouldn't even know each other if it wasn't for OTT. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of gratitude out there. And as you said, that was kind of reflected in the in the GoFundMe and people's offers to you know you don't need to refund me my money and that kind of thing. And I think there's uh, apparently there's been a big run on merchandise on the shop lately and a lot of subscriptions going in. And it's I think it speaks to the community for you know we are, we sometimes complain about things and we we give out a little bit about OTT at times, but behind it all, I think there is a great community spirit in in wrestling fandom here in Ireland. And it was it it was a nice feeling, you know, out of a very bad thing a nice feeling came about it and you kind of got to appreciate the Irish wrestling scene and we were only talking the other day about when this is all over and when things go back to normal imagine the feeling we'll have like when when we get to go to a venue all together for the first time Mm -hmm. again whether that's in May June July and the buzz we'll have for finally like I imagine we'll be two or three months if not more without live wrestling here in Ireland and the feeling we will all have that very first time when we go back to see a show again, like, and that's that's the kind of thing that keeps us going. And it's, yeah, as I said, a, a, a reflection of how highly thought of they are. I think you know what I mean. And um, yeah, it's 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 sad, and it's it's, but you know, when you look at what's happened in the time since, it's only a wrestling show. We'll get over it. There are people losing their businesses. There are people losing their jobs. There are people very sick in hospital at the moment. We'll get over missing a wrestling show, and and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we will get to see many more in the future. You know.
0: Yes, obviously that same weekend. I mean, you can't have a go at them because, uh, you know, there weren't any major measures being taken by the UK government at that point advising people against public gatherings. So obviously, Fight Club Pro ran on the Friday and then Riptide. Was, I think that was a Saturday as well. Um, but, I mean, since then, pretty much every UK event's been cancelled or postponed to a later date. I mean, we had Breed's Comeback Show, Flight Club Pro's Dream Tag Invitational, Two strong South sixteens we moved to an August Bank holiday. I mean, Ben I mean there's loads and loads of events like um and it seems like it, it's gonna be a good sort of like three months till we get sort of like a major UK show again.
1: Yeah, that's definitely the way it's looking. And you know, at the start, say cars that have been cancelled, I think you might have got a bit of pushback from people going, Oh, come on, are they overreacting? And then I think by, yeah. the, by by that following weekend, like James said, by the time, you know, OTT did the right thing. Um, and you're right, there are some promotions who still ran that weekend. Uh, it's one of them is it? like I said, football wasn't cancelled until the very last minute. So I can kind of understand, you know, smaller level promotions going through with their shows until they knew any better. But, you know... Just a week later now, the idea of that sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Imagine those yeah. shows taking place this weekend coming forward. It just wouldn't happen. And that's how quickly the attitude can change. And I think that's... You know, there are positives to take from the story. Like James, you said, the the OTT fans and, you know, that the help that, that they... And, you know, I believe John Moxley made a sizable donation to help out OTT. Yes. Yeah. Seeing the... I suppose the the spirit of the community um, rile around a, a company like Ott and support Ott in that in one of their darkest moments it was great to see. you are seen a lot of fans, you know, pledge to buy merch. Fans who can, you know, obviously you know I don't think it's right to pressure on anyone who can't afford it, but you're seeing fans you know support with merch, maybe not take refunds like Jamesy said before, where you know the big companies who are running WrestleMania weekend even who are having to cancel and have got hundreds of thousands of of debt to worry about you know trying to help those kind of guys out as well Because, yeah it's a you don't, you've got to take those positives from it. That you know, at this point, I think the attitude is pretty much yeah. You know, maybe there might be the odd outlier of of people who might complain if a wrestling show gets cancelled at this point. But I think you know the fandom in general, general is very understanding right now. It's the right thing to do. But I do worry because I, I do think that we're going to come out of this and we're going to have less wrestling promotions. Obviously, mm-hmm. the health of you know the country and the world and people in general is far more important than that. But you know, from a wrestling point of view, that is the reality. I don't think there's any way around it. Wrestling companies are gonna be going out of business, especially those types of companies mm-hmm. who live hand to mouth, who maybe, you know, had big outlay on big shows coming up, who run full time. You know, Andy Quilden did a QA on Facebook yesterday talking about the fact that, you know, there's a difference between a company that might just, you know, they run a show every few months and obviously those companies are gonna be under pressure as well. But if you're a company like RevPros, that's a full-time business with full-time employees that depends on revenue from from live shows and from VOD, it's a really, really scary time. Um, so, yeah, well, it's great, mm-hmm. it's, it is great to see the positive of people rallying around those those companies and, and supporting, uh, and it is the absolute right thing to do for promotions to, to cancel, because, again, yeah, right now, the situation we're all in, I think the one thing we can all agree on is, you know, wrestling events aren't, you know, the absolute most important thing in the world you know if you need to get out the house and get get your shopping in that's one thing you don't need to get out your house and go watch a wrestling show that is just not you know worth the risk right now uh would be my opinion on it so yeah while companies are doing the right thing in cancelling their shows it, it really you know depending on how this long this thing lasts and it could be all summer it's gonna be a really really cruel few months i think and yeah i think of the sad news is i think a lot of the news stories are going to get over the next couple of months are going to be companies and wrestlers who are directly Mm -hmm. affected by this
0: yeah because um obviously you mentioned that red pro there they had that uh res gal show set up didn't they like i Mm. think it holds about 200 people and that was like a couple of weeks ago that they'd set that up that's been postponed now and then epic encounter has been postponed that was supposed to take on Take place on the eighth of May, and uh, I mean, we we couldn't talk that Andy Q uh, Facebook Q and A without an interesting question from uh, Will Cooling. Benno. Yeah, will I mean, cool I'm in. sure he'll go more into it on Monday, but yeah. <laughs> we'll kill the, the moment Will Cooling,
1: <laughs> will kill you. By the way, did make it to Germany after our last show? After we uh, <laughs> we, we broke the news that his uh, his flight had been yeah, well, not even his flight been cancelled. The entire company had gone out of business. How long ago does that feel like, Martin? <laughs> Bloody hell! And that was the biggest story at the time. He managed to make it there on like a 24 hour journey on an Uh, an express (laughs) bus that went all the
0: way through Europe. (laughs) Yeah, he went to
1: Amsterdam, saw some sights, drank some rum, got himself to Germany, did the same thing going back. Like, I think it's actually quite unfair that I'm (laughs) unwell and. (laughs) What's that? Yeah, it didn't he didn't even bother him to do it. So that's oh, the thing. He wrote like what could be like a Pulitzer award-winning article about David Starr on the way back. Like that—that <laughs> yeah. that is the genius kind of Will cool. like he's a genius. <laughs> He'll be, <laughs> he, genius of a man. He could be sat in a dive bar in Amsterdam and he could knock something like that out. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, he managed to <laughs> survive it. Uh, but yeah, he did uh, throw a question into Andy Q's uh, Q and A about. Uh, but Andy Q joining with there uh, with Joe Lemon, who's appeared on this show before, uh, Rev Joe. Which Andy Quilden knew the name. Andy Quilden knew the he name, knew Rebco, was... which blew my mind. <laughs> and Will asked if they do an EastEnders podcast together. And you know what? I've never seen Andy Quilden quite so excited. So, yeah, if we can uh, <laughs> give the world anything in these hard times uh, through podcasts, then that's going to be hopefully something that we're going to be able to put together. And uh, Joe and Andy can take us through uh, their EastEnders fan. And what a podcast that'll be! <laughs> yeah.
0: That was such a bright spark that we needed in such a shit week. That was yeah, fantastic exactly. that afternoon. Yeah, that's what I had to bring that up. I mean, it's it's bizarre though because obviously all most events are getting cancelled over here, but WrestleMania is obviously still going ahead over two nights. I mean, what um, your thoughts about? I mean, John and have gone in depth on the risks of you know still running events despite you know the advice to you know maintain your distance from people and obviously wrestlers are. You know, as close as two people can get to each other and obviously the the crew in close proximity to each other. But I mean, do what are your thoughts about WrestleMania sort of like going over two nights? Um it's a bit bit gonna be an odd one, WrestleMania in front of like um no fans whatsoever.
2: It's going to be so strange, isn't it? It really, really is. And um I like on on one level they deserve Credit for the fact that, you know, that they will justify it as people need a distraction in these difficult times. And, mm. you know, the, the show must go on and that kind of thing. And, you know, we it's it's our job to entertain people and take their minds off it for, for two or three hours on a Monday night every week. And, you know, in fairness to them, there is a certain value in that, you know. Um, I think the whole thing is still very precarious because it only takes one member of that roster to get a diagnosis. Mm. Of, of a positive diagnosis of that virus. And that's the whole thing gone. You know what I mean? That's that's everyone who's been in close contact with that wrestler, which presumably would be quite a lot of the roster gone into isolation. So there's still a very strong chance that WrestleMania won't go ahead from that point of view. You know, um, I can't picture in my head what it will be like to sit down and watch WrestleMania in an empty arena. I just, I it makes me want to watch it more because it will be by far the most unique WrestleMania of all time. Maybe I'm not watching it because I want to see the matches, but because I just want to see what WrestleMania will look like in, in an empty arena like. You know, I just I just can't get my head around what that will be or what it will look like. I think that um I've only seen little bits of it here and there so far, but I think they've been shown up badly by AEW's approach to the thing um last night on their show. Like by all accounts and from what I've seen, they handled the whole fact that it was an empty arena an awful lot better they were more creative in their ways of getting around it and that kind of thing. Whereas it feels like WWE have just gone ahead with whatever they were normally going to do and just plonked it into this training center in, in you know, in the performance center and nothing is, they haven't done anything to adapt to the surroundings whatsoever. Like, like I haven't watched raw or SmackDown in full in a long time, but I've seen clips of that, that Bray Wyatt and John Cena in exchange. And it's just so bizarre seeing these two guys have a, have a, back and forth promo with each other in an empty arena where nobody's reacting to what they're saying and that kind of thing and it's just so strange it, it, you, you feel like you're looking at two guys rehearsing for a play or something like that mm. um, when in fact they're putting out a TV show to millions of people yeah. you know it's it's just weird you know what I mean and, and I do think they've they, they, they have been shown up by AEW a little bit and I do think they like for a big show like Wrestlemania they're going to have to be creative and if I was them I'd be starting to pre-tape matches now before somebody gets sick get those things on tape while you can, while you have the chance, you know what I mean? Because it's on a knife edge and it could easily fall apart.
0: Yeah, I, think I mean, I know, I know you, Benno, are really looking forward to the fact that Gronk's uh, going to be uh, hosting this year.
1: <laughs> this, this assumption that people should know who Gronk is like—I apologize to our American listeners, but like, yeah, like it, 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 it was a big news story, wasn't it, <laughs> last night? Oh yeah, Gronk is going to be presenting WrestleMania. I don't think there's one <laughs> European who's not a football fan who knows that name. It's—it's it's hardly like you know a, a big name of the past, like coming out and you know, it's not a worldwide star, is he? Gronk. He's not someone anywhere. No. Really, no. Um, it was such a weird, like, yeah, an announcement. One, that, and two, that they're doing a two day thing. Uh, it's just odd. I think it's just typical pig headed WWE, to be honest. Like, I think, like, James the underline there, you, you see the pig headedness in just how they've been presenting Roar and SmackDown, in that they've just carried on doing the same thing same cameras, same cuts, same way of presenting the show, pretending there's a crowd there doing weird sketches like that Steve Austin sketch that came off like a segment in the Eric Andre show just without <laughs> any of the comedy and without any of... You know, just not on purpose. Um, and yeah, WrestleMania just uh, is an extension of that, really. I mean, speaking of Will Cooling, not to make his uh, ears ring again like we did on Grapple last week, but like <laughs> he's one of the few people I've seen push the arguments of, you know, we need entertainment at this time. They should run WrestleMania. Why not? Um, and you know, I, I can see both sides. You know, myself living in my uh, little isolation chamber here in Walton, I've you know been lo- <laughs> un- uncharacteristically been looking forward to Raw and SmackDown, and obviously looking forward to AEW. And it's nice to have you know something to look forward to and watch uh, while there isn't a huge amount else going on. But is it necessary? Probably not. You know, could, could we all just be watching reruns or old? pay-per-views or you know watching other forms of entertainment at this point what is it that makes wrestling so special if the show has to go on is it worth even the minimal risk just for raw and smackdown to be taking place not to leave them out just for aw to be taking place as good as it was on wednesday is it worth it and wrestlemania is another one is it worth it and the other thing with wrestlemania is purely that it's the it's it, it's the it's the business aspect of it we're gonna have three weeks of terrible roar and Smackdowns, soulless roar and Smackdowns in front of these empty arenas, and then we're all sp- supposed to be excited for an empty arena WrestleMania. Like, this is not going to do anywhere near the business it would have done just talking WWE Network and interest. Yeah, there'll be people like us who just want to watch it for the, the spectacle of just how bad it's going to be, but I don't understand it from a business point of view either. I mean, there's no guarantee that you would be able to run WrestleMania at a later date, but if the trade-off is either doing... This terrible soulless WrestleMania, where Edge makes his comeback in front of no fans, or take the chance <laughs> like the rest of the sports league in the world and just give it a few months, see if it's possible to run it in June or July. If you can't, maybe you make another decision at that point. But yeah, I think it's that that WWE. The show must go on. You know, we said at the top of the hour, it's not a very Vinceism, but keep calm and carry on seems to be almost the uh, the WWE motto as well. Um, Vince won't be stopped by something like this, and. Yeah, they, they carry on with it, but I think it's just against every real good sense that that, that I've got, and just I can't, I can't personally see good reason for this to uh, to be happening in a couple of weeks. Even if again, like Jamesy, I'll be sat sat there, and I will be experiencing some, some schadenfreude and probably quietly uh, enjoying myself, uh, having a few beers, <laughs> and just watching just how bad this thing could get.
0: Yeah, I think I will, uh, no doubt, but. I... Do you think, I mean, all roads seem to be leading to sort of like Drew Galloway, uh, to keep it more in our remit, Drew Galloway beating Brock Lesnar. But, I mean, it's just going to go down like a fart in church, isn't it, (laughs) James? I mean, do you think they're going to have, you know, Drew's big victory? They're going to, you know, be all, you know, all roads ahead to carrying on with that or maybe uh, keep it off till maybe another event where there's going to be a crowd celebrate with him, you know, finally beating Brock
2: yeah, that, that's a good point. Like, and, and you think about poor old Drew. Like, when he was standing on the top turnbuckle at the end of the Royal Rumble, thinking about his WrestleMania moment thinking about main eventing WrestleMania against Brock Lesnar. Like, he certainly wasn't picturing a, a, an, an empty, echoey arena to be doing it in. You know, it's 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 a pity for him. You know, um, you make a good point. Maybe you don't do it now and you wait until you could do it at SummerSlam again or something like that. Um, I just don't know. Like, the, the, there is no like. There's a very well-worn kind of playbook when it comes to WrestleMania. When you tune into WrestleMania, you know what you're going to get. For the most part, the baby face will stand tall at the end. You'll get your moments. You'll get your big moments. You'll get your silly Shane O'Mac match. You'll get all the things you expect from a WrestleMania. You know, we have no idea what we're going to expect from this. As you said, why would you waste the moment on an empty room? What would be the point? It's, it's you know, th- these are the things that, that make it interesting. You know, and they're not the things... They're not the reasons WWE hopes that I'll be watching, but they're the reasons <laughs> I'll be watching, you know, like just what they'll do with this, how they'll treat it, how they'll treat it in history. Will it ever, will it be just be one of those things like Chris Benoit that this particular WrestleMania just doesn't get mentioned ever again mm. and you kind of skip yeah. over it and you just get on with your lives and, that, and that's something they're very good at is just wiping things from history and pretending they never happened. And it's a pity for poor L. Drew Galloway that he's the guy who kind of probably would have been crowned if it was in the stadium. Um, but like, yeah, it's, its they're the things that, that that I'd be looking for that that WWE probably didn't intend in the first place.
0: Because I mean, sticking with WWE, but like Daniel Bryan's even announced today that he's going to be spending more time being a parent and like spending more time away from the ring. I mean, I know he's one of your time favourites, Jamesy. I mean, um, it must must be bad for you hearing that Bryan's going to be sort of like going more part time as a wrestler now. Well,
2: yes, and no time now because number, yeah, exactly. <laughs> number, one, number one, the amount of singles matches he has in a given year these days is what less than 10 single figures, I'd say. Um, So he's kind of part-time anyway. My my hope, and it's probably very, very naive, is that he would see out his contract, go off and mind his kids, and Literally, be be an independent part-time wrestler, where his his full-time job is raising his family and being with his wife. And you know, do you know the the environmental stuff that he feels so strongly about? And that once a month he goes off and does a bucket list match, where he, he you know he 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 does a one-off match in AEW against somebody, you know, Jericho or something like that, or Cody Rhodes or something like that, or Kenny Omega. Or he shows up in Mexico and has a hair versus mask match against you know something like that, that kind of stuff, where. It'd be interesting and you, he, he would be creatively fulfilled by it. You know what I mean? And that's, that's always been the pipe dream for me, that we would get Brian Danielson back and we would get him back. And I, I would settle for him having one match a month for the next five years if we could get to see the American Dragon back. You know what I mean? And, and not to see him in that system where he's clearly getting paid very well. Um, but he's, he can't be like he's a guy that loves wrestling. Like, Did you guys watch the match against Gulak and the pre-show of Elimination Chamber, like an oh. absolutely brilliant match. Yeah. and the, the the post-match interview was 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 uh, they put it up on YouTube. And if you haven't seen it, people should watch it. Number one, it's an amazing wrestling promo. But the thing that I took out of it was you could see him on the high that Brian Danielson gets from being a professional wrestler. Like he's literally standing there and he's buzzing because he got to have the type of wrestling match that he loves to have. A hard-hitting technical bout where a wrestler he respects drops him on his head and, and, and they get to they get to do the stuff that he loves to do. You know what I mean? So that love for wrestling, you see it in those moments where he's he's on that buzz after a match. That love for wrestling is still in him. And I, I, I don't think it's realistic. I think he probably will become a WWE part-timer. Where he drops into her three times a year and does pay per views, and that's fine. It, it doesn't really interest me as much as what he would do in the indies. But like within that statement, he was saying things like WWE have been very good to give me six weeks parental leave and that kind of thing. Like they're clearly they're clearly keeping him on side. You know what I mean? So I don't think it's a case of him doing a Dean Ambrose and finishing up with them and going off to somewhere else and doing it. Sadly, which is but like the dream would always be. Uh, a Danielson run on the Indies just to cap his career Mm -hmm. off again, you know, but I sadly think it's probably not going to happen.
0: Yeah, I think if it was going to happen, it would have happened sort of like when his contract was up and he was before he made his comeback, I guess. But yeah, I suppose, exactly. one of the most yeah. bizarre things I've seen in all of this, while all the wrestlers, you know, were uh, doing these empty arena shows, is fucking Undertaker in a swimming pool with some Tigers. I don't know if you've seen these uh, pictures, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: that's going to have to be the episode of the Image Now, isn't it? Yeah, he's... <laughs> I suppose it's not British. Maybe the Tigers so British. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, know, that, I pfft that's probably, uh, on the list of most surreal things I've seen this week, it's up there I mean, him <laughs> doing his full entrance to an empty arena on Raw, um, but kind of ah. half arsing it, like half like kind of American badass Undertaker, half Deadman Undertaker, and then kind of flipping a table over and then them going to break and then 20 minutes later he still wandered around this this empty <laughs> arena, like that was bizarre enough, but yeah, this was a, a particularly odd one as well <laughs>
0: Um, but I mean, back to European stuff. Obviously, WXW Progress both cancelled their events over Mania weekend, given no choice, really, considering the, you know, the amount of events that got cancelled around Mania weekend and the European and UK travel ban to the USA. But I mean, before we get into the um, the wrestling that has happened, um, I just wanted to, uh, well, and we'll probably go in depth on a uh, on a future show. But uh, sad news that Martin Kirby has called time on his wrestling career. I mean. I've got some fantastic memories of Kirby from Southside. I mean, his feuds with Kaylee Ray and even uh, Suplex Wrestling's Joel, of all people. He's, uh, he's tag team with Chris Travis, his matches against Will Ospreay in WCPW. I mean, it really must have been a dream come true for him to do an, uh, an extensive tour with Dragon Gate to finish his career off, Benno.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, this is... Make no mistake about it. He had a... As far as, like, a British indie wrestler goes... Okay, yeah, he could have had a more successful career, but he did have a successful career. I think the immediate response, and I think I kind of felt it myself at first, is to go, ah, oh, but you know, what else could he have done? You know, somebody as talented as he was. But for me, yeah, to, to be able to say he did that, he had a great career over here, earned his way, you know, the old school way, the proper way, got himself a couple of Dragon Gate tours where he had a, you know, a fun couple of tours with them. And, you know, for him, I'm sure it was bucket list stuff. Uh, yeah, and I think the other thing is like just look at when he when he put out that he was retiring, you follow if you follow him on Twitter and see all the replies of one, all of the Dragon Gate talent, like it felt like to a man, people were coming out of the woodwork and congratulating him on how much they loved working with him and how great he was. But you see, you know, people like Austin Aries, Landstorm, who I saw him have a match with in PCW, which is still one of my favourite matches I've seen mm-hmm. live at a Brit Res show. Like that was one where I think Lance Storm I remember listening to him talk about it in his podcast. I think he didn't really have a huge awareness of who Martin Kirby was. I think he said on his podcast that like he literally watched Martin Kirby come out and on the uh, on this um Video, on the video wall at PCW he saw Martin Kirby you know that weird kind of forward roll neckbreaker thing that he does it's hard to describe yeah. but he saw him do that in the video wall and in the match called it as a spot and Martin Kirby apparently was just shocked that Lance Storm knew what his what his move even was <laughs> uh, and, he, and he worked it into the, that's like that's Lance that's, a, that's like a proper level of work of that isn't it Lance Storm like just taking that little nugget from the entrance video and going yep let's do that spot and they had a great match and Lance Storm talked him up a, sto- talked him up a storm no um, punned intended um and you know it shows what a pro's pro he was that you know someone like that uh, would come out of the woodwork to congratulate him on his retirement and I saw him in Wigan in GPW have a you know he did a lot of comedy um up in the northwest in PCW too uh, teamed up with Joey Hayes but yeah I saw him have a uh, loser can't shop at the local Tesco match at GPW in Wigan that was a stipulation that no man other than Martin Kirby I think could have made that work and then when he lost, and he couldn't shop in, in the local Tesco in a, in Hindley and Wigan anymore, you know the, the sell job he did for that was just something that only Martin Cave can get away with. And that was it. That was him summed up. You know, technically brilliant, but also had the comedy you know, element down as well and was a pros pro. Uh yeah, and it's really sad that he's that he's having to retire. You know, maybe he could have done more things in wrestling, but for me, you know, he had a successful career and he was, yeah, he's definitely, definitely going to be missed as a as a real pro in a, in Brit Rest circles.
0: Yeah, because he Anytime he got in the ring, he sort of like matched up to who he was going in there. He could do the comedy. Obviously, one of his most famous spots was that Zoidberg elbow off the. Uh, <laughs> Someone's going to use that, haven't they?
1: Someone's going to yeah, take that. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs>
2: yeah, big time.
0: But then he could do all the sort of like stuff in, in Dragon Gate. And then, you know, I saw him have a cracking match against ACH in Red Pro and things like that. So he could, he could easily, like, you know, and then, like you know, there's a match against Lance Storm. And he could easily, you know, he was was a very diverse wrestler and you know and i'm sure he will be it will be missed especially in the likes of pcw and that where he was like one of the big stars there but i mean um i mean despite the cancellations uh, we have we have got actually some wrestling to review for you this week um because will Ospreay, who's home from japan he he teamed up with wrestle talk tv um I wasn't quite sure at first, but it were, I think it was they originally were supposed to be holding their own show at the venue that they ran in London. Uh, I think it was called the, the Battle of Brit Rest, but they instead teamed up with Osprey to present uh, No Farm Monday live-streamed on their YouTube channel. And obviously this featured a, a whole host of UK talent, uh, with fans being able to donate money to the wrestlers via YouTube. And I think... You know, off to them. they raised a few thousand pounds, and I think they peaked at around 11,500 streams. Uh, I mean, as good as the show as it was, I mean, it was really weird at first seeing the wrestlers do their normal routines to absolutely no reaction. I mean, just before we get into the matches and the show itself, I mean, thoughts on them holding the show in the first place. I mean, you can't fault Ospreay for wanting to get the guys a payday. I mean, he's all heart, that guy, Jamesy.
2: Yeah, yeah, and... um, you know, it was best summed up by Joe Lemon on, on Grapple a few weeks ago. Like, the, 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 he went on a, a stellar, one of the all-time great Joe Lemon rants about Will Osprey, <laughs> And, like, the, the bottom line with Osprey is, I don't think he means badly in anything he does. You know what I mean? And, like, the, you know, he, 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 not everything he does and says comes across the right way. He misses the mark sometimes. You could say more often than not sometimes with the tone of the things he says. But, like, If you talk about a guy who's genuine about wrestling and who's genuine about trying to do good for wrestling and who's genuine in his intentions and who's, you know, you don't see him taking an NXT UK contract. There's somebody for whom professional fulfillment is very, very important. And um, like he has no need to be in England doing this show at the moment. Um, But here he is. Giving something back, you know, and I think back to that the post-show scene in RevPro again, what seems like years ago at this stage in, in your yeah. call only, what about is it like four or five weeks ago at this stage? Mm. Um, there's a guy who cares about British wrestling, and there's a guy who's not afraid to give back, and um, you can only applaud him for it.
0: So I mean, the big elephant in the room before we get into the matches was the commentary. I mean, I wasn't as much as it was a wrestle talk thing. I wasn't expecting Alex Shane. I mean, why wasn't I expecting Alex Shane? I'll I'll never know why. But I mean, I, I, I saw all over Twitter people complaining and wanting to mute the commentary, but I found it absolutely hilarious. I mean, my favourite line of the whole thing was when he, I think it was the Kyle Fletcher and. Uh, Kyle Fletcher and Connor Mills match, and he said, "This is the YouTube version of the Shawshank Redemption." I mean, like that. Thinking, what the fuck (laughs) does that even mean?
2: Yeah, but successful. anyway,
0: I suppose moving away from uh, Alex Shane, I mean, it opened up with Paul Robinson against uh, Michael Oku and a um, pretty short match. And um, I mean, these two went all out trying to get, um, you know, Michael Oku's half crab over. And I thought they they had a pretty decent opening here, Benno. Yeah, I mean,
1: I think... This was the moment in the show where it was still weird, wasn't it? You're watching it and you're thinking, oh, "Okay, yeah, they're the, the falling into some of the WWE traps here." Like you say with the you know, with the entrances, Paul Robinson playing up to nobody, uh, but it's Paul Robinson. Like, <laughs> it was like the WWE <laughs> <thing. do> <laughs> Yeah, it, if he didn't do it, it'd be weird. And like considering yeah. his character, I can see him mouthing off to a load of empty chairs. That's Paul Robinson, isn't it? It kind of makes sense. Uh, but it was feeling very weird. And you said you mentioned the commentary there between the Alex Shane commentary. In the the no seats it was feeling very mid two thousands Brit resident at that point but yeah I think they came out and it was a, as tough a job as you could have on a show like this to go out there and be the opener and and set the tone for a show as weird as this uh, with a few thousand people watching and I think I, I think it was like like you said before I think eleven thousand was the peak but I believe on YouTube it's like one hundred and fifty thousand people have seen this show at this point so that's wow that's a that's a great thing too but yeah you know with those people watching. And you're having to think about only those people watching. It is a completely different job. But I think you know, not to big up Brit Res wrestlers too much or just indie wrestlers in general. I think they're just more up for the task than WWE wrestlers are. I think WWE wrestlers mm-hmm. are gonna go out there and they're gonna wrestle WWE style. They're gonna work for the you know, the people in the back seats who aren't there and they're gonna do all their WWE spots and, and work the, the hard cam and do all the normal stuff they do. Whereas indie wrestlers are used to, you know, I'm sure I bet you Paul Paul Robinson did backyard work, but I bet him and him Anoku have both work shows where there's been, you know, a handful of fans, where there's been one or two fans in the crowd. Like I'm sure that's happened, and I think at an indie level, you learn to you know one lay it in, and two you know work even with you know maybe a a, a less than a stellar crowd attendance and crowd reaction. So yeah, I think you know as far as a match goes, I think this was just a, a great way to set the tone. I think the they both worked really hard. I think Oku Continues to be, you know, someone we've all got real high hopes for uh, in Brit Res, and yeah, Paul Robinson was a a safe pair of hands, I think, to be out there first, and yeah, no surprise that he'd be beyond on the show as well as a uh, as a big uh, Osprey uh, compatriot as well.
0: One of the big things about this show for me was uh, seeing a load of guys off the top of my head that I've never seen before, and uh, being quite impressed by a lot of them. I mean, this was a case in the second match; it was a scramble match, Adam Maxted against Carlos Romo against Malik, against Chuck Cyrus, and then Paul Sayers. And um, off the top of my head, I've never seen Malik, Chuck Cyrus, or Paul Sayers. And this was a, you know, stand standard scramble match, everyone gets the shit in sort of thing. But I was was quite impressed with, uh, with all these guys, Jamesy.
2: Yeah, and the new rule of British wrestling is you're not allowed to have a scramble match unless Carlos Romo is involved. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every time there's a four way or a six way, Carlos Romo pops up its gas. Shouting made, made die
0: according to Shaw Samuel. He was all over Twitter on the evening <laughs> saying, Why does uh, why is Carlos Romo shouting die all the time?
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like this this was your, your typical indie six way. You know what I mean? Uh Max Ted is a guy who's in fairness to him, has quietly, quietly been improving. You know what I mean? And I think we all kind of look at Max Ted and we're, we're kind of guilty nearly of judging a book by its cover. You look at him, you look at the body, you think he's a kind of a, a generic Big man who's kind of, who's the kind of guy that 10 years ago would already have been signed up by w, for WWE just based on what he looks like. But that guy, in fairness to him, has put his head down. Apparently, he does a lot of, I, I don't know, is he in with Alex Shane and that crowd to do all those NGW shows, but he does a lot of those camp style shows and he's just been working away and slowly but surely improving as a wrestler. Um, and yeah, like, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's a match that, that, that you need to rush out to see or anything like that, but it's the kind of match that you can throw onto a card like this. Get your Carlos almost onto it and yeah very enjoyable multi-man match I think
0: and uh, I mean speaking of people that i would never really seen before and who really impressed me right David Starr against Callum Newman I mean obviously Starr you know we've raved about him on the show tons but already but I thought Callum Newman looked really good in this match Benno I think I read somewhere that he's only 19 is he someone that um, has been on your radar before not at all no uh, I believe he's 17
1: uh, which makes it even sadder, wow. it? like all the way eh? this 17 year old <laughs> you could put you could put two of him and you still wouldn't be at my age uh, it's crazy <laughs> it's just yeah this was this was actually the match on the show where um, unfortunately I had to put it on mute for a bit because my mum gave me a ring just to check I was okay uh, I think she was planning no. on uh, <laughs> driving around with a carload of toilet paper and pasta but I managed to talk her out of it uh, so I, I, actually got, I had to go back and watch this one today but I, I loved it live at the time and I loved it second. Time as well. Uh, I love that they they did something different with this one. I think in having, you know, the, the the little promo before and having the interruption and having it turn into it felt more heated because of that. You know, this was a show yeah. of exhibition matches, wasn't it? Naturally, of course it was going to be, but it gave the match a little bit of extra something, which is you know, I, it wouldn't shock me if that was a David Starr idea because it really added something to the match. It set Callum Newman up perfectly as the underdog for the match as well. Uh, I thought he was absolutely brilliant there as well. Um, and I just thought that yeah, it was just the best example uh, on the show of a of a match. To be honest, I, I I liked everything else on the on the show. I enjoyed the main event as well, but I think with this, it just it had that extra thing to it. And yeah, for someone as young as Callum Newman is, he was great underneath. You know, when it came to striking back and forth with David Starr, he was great as well. And he didn't look as inexperienced as he obviously is at age seventeen. I think he won. It was like I think they mentioned on commentary. It it's like a WrestleTalk scholarship that got him to this position yeah. as well uh the fact that yeah he is this young in the business david star i saw put him over on twitter afterwards as well um and you know obviously it was going to be a losing effort here but he walked away more than anybody i think on this show with you know with his head held high and walked out as a a name that i think lots of us now know that we absolutely wouldn't have known before this show
0: yeah, it was a perfect showcase for a lot of new talent on here, wasn't it? I mean, especially with like people all over the world watching him. And David Starr was a perfect opponent for him here, wasn't he, Jamesy? Yeah, I mean, just guiding him through the match, letting him get all these yeah. flashy moves in and, and not, you know, it wasn't all smooth. But um, certainly with Starr in there, he certainly like made him look like um, a million pounds, didn't he?
2: yeah like he's very much the elder statesman of the indies at this stage mm. and this is this is a match he's going to have to have whether he likes it or not a lot in the indies soon given given where he's where he's not allowed work anymore which we'll talk about later um and if you look at his cage match profile this for this year it's you know given where he works now and where he doesn't work a lot of his matches now are him against younger up and coming talents and it's it 's almost like he kind of has a formula and and as you said Mar- uh, as you said benno he, he, he typical star like he manages to put a bit of heat on what otherwise would have been just an exhibition match, you know mm. what I mean so they start, start the match off with a, a a brawl from up on the stage, and just typical that he 's always thinking about getting that little bit of extra into his matches and, and that 's David star all over you know and um i I, I enjoy him as the as the bully, you know, he's really good as the, as the underdog when he's wrestling a Walter and that kind of thing, but he's really grown into the kind of asshole bully. Like we've seen him do that quite a lot now here in Ireland against some of the younger Irish talent, like the LJ Cleary match earlier in the year. um And it's a role that suits him. Like he's really good at being a dickhead, basically. It, it comes naturally to him in the wrestling ring where he's kind of slapping the guy on the head and, you know, contemptuously kicking him when he's on the ground and that kind of thing. And yeah, as I said, it's it's a match we will see a lot from David Starr, I think, in the next few years on the UK Indies.
0: And someone who I saw sort of like, I was talking about Martin Kirby, um, seeing them in Southside sort of like 2014 was uh, Robbie X. I mean, um, I think he started out in the 1PW training school that w- was a thing, believe it or not. And, oh, wow. and he, just, he just seems to have gone from sort of like, he, went, um, he wasn't taking as many bookings a couple of years ago, and then he's like, come back more to prominence. Obviously he was on World of Sport, and then he's doing these NGW shows now heavily involved in Red Pro, and I remember um, I remember, I think it was some kind of documentary where Jay Lethal was talking him up saying he was one of the funniest opponents he'd ever had, and I remember X-Pac when he'd come over here saying like, you know, he was one of the you know, one of his favourite opponents and that, and so it's good to see like Robbie X coming back to prominence here. I mean, he teamed up with Scottie Davis against Old Japan's Lucas Steele and um and then Nathan Cruz has been on around on the scene for for quite a while now and I really enjoyed this match. Obviously, Robbie X and Scotty Davis were allowed to get um a lot of the high flying stuff in and then thought Lucas Steele and Nathan Cruz worked really well as a tag team. Benno. yeah.
1: Uh, obviously you know Lucas Steele is very much Nathan Cruz's protege um, I interviewed Lucas Steele for fighting spirit mag when that was a thing and he couldn't have talked more warmly about Nathan Cruz and you can see the influence there from a, a character point of view uh, but yeah this was a real sleeper of the night I probably should have expected it I went to that, uh, that Manchester media con that was doomed a couple of years ago and there was a version of this match on, on the card um, no Scotty Davis unfortunately I think it was Adam Max maybe teaming with Robbie X um, um, on that one and that was great too and yeah these are lads you know lucas steel nathan cruz and robbie x who know each other extremely well from you know working the camp shows and working the family shows and working that the alex shane loop uh, for for a lack of a, a better way of putting it and because of that i think they, they kind of fall off the radar you know nathan cruz had that that run in progress um, you know, they had the Origin run as well where he kind of quietly disappeared, which I think was a shame, you know, I always thought he added something different as maybe maybe a lower card heel, but a heel on progress shows um, and, you know, they're not wrestlers, really, who appear in the the fashionable promotions until maybe this year with you know Lucas Steele making his way out to Japan and Robbie X starting to get picked up by RevPro. Like this is the year where I think every podcast I'm going to be shouting from the rooftops. Book Robbie X, book Dean Normark. They're, kind of, they're they're two of our... Dean Almar in a very similar role to Robbie X in that he's so good and people forget about him because he's he's been around so long. Uh, and yeah, you say that about Robbie X too because he's so good and he kind of because he's on you know he does a lot of the family friendly camp shows and he's in maybe with not the the cool crew i don't think people think about him when they think about the best high flyers in brit res but i saw him at tnt a couple of weeks ago and seeing him up live as well as being you know a great underdog baby face he can hit all your flashy moves he's got you know the Mm. the the, the precision and he's got the execution and he's got everything down it's great that rev pro picked up on him this year but i want to see him in more places this year and yeah it's Obviously, Scotty Davis is great, but same goes for Lucas Steele and even Nathan Cruz too. Lucas Steele is a big man. you know. How many promotions are crying out for a big man in Brit res? You know, Especially mm-hmm. with his Japan experience now, I'd love to see pretty much everybody in this batch a whole lot more based on this.
0: It was weird to Scotty th- Davis on this one, James. Yeah, I didn't expect to see any of the Irish talent flying over for this show.
2: Yeah, you, you literally took the words out of my mouth there, Martin. Like that. That's very, very, very interesting because um, that's definitely Osprey's doing. Like, I don't know. Did you guys see those photographs around the time of Wrestle Kingdom of, of Scotty Davis being in Japan with Osprey? Um, and I, I feel like there's a there's a kind of a. A tug of war going on for, for the uh, it, 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 between kind of you'd have Jordan Devlin say on the NXT UK side on one side kind of tagging with him in progress and he's in one ear kind of saying you know come over to the NXT UK sign a contract with us but on the other hand then you, you have Osprey, who's really really high on, on Scotty like, like the remember they were supposed to wrestle on the stadium um, before Osprey got pulled by a New Japan and it ended up being the Liger match instead yeah. and like you know that Osprey would have made Scotty Davis that night you know what I mean you know he would have had the best match Scotty Davis has ever had he would have had a match that people around the world would have been watching and and it's an awful pity that didn't get to happen and hopefully we will get to see it happen in future but uh, yeah just just very interesting little thing to see him to see him to see him going to that on the Monday having just been at Carrot you know in the end in the WWE co-opted promotion only the, the weekend <laughs> before it's it, that's the one of the big stories in European wrestling I think in the next 12 to 18 months you know we talked before about which way would Michael Oku go And we kind of see now which way he's kind of gone in his career. Very, very interested to see what Scotty ends up doing.
0: um, A match I really wasn't expecting much from was uh, Kyle Fletcher against Conor Mills. I mean, Conor Mills obviously came out all guns blazing when he first debuted for Progress, but um, I've not really seen much of him since, and the things I have seen haven't been that great. But I thought these two had a really long match, but it was like an all-out war, and I thought um, Conor Mills looked fantastic against uh, Kyle Fletcher here, Benno. Yeah,
1: he did. Uh, I was surprised, to be honest. I thought, you see Connor Mills come out and you kind of think, you know, those progress undercard tags where, you know, Mills and Mayhew never really made much of an impression, did they? Outside of maybe the hardcores who go to the electric ballroom. And he's someone who, you know, you hear people talk about who, you know, follow him down south and follow, follow him in the promotions maybe that we don't always get a chance to cover but it's just rep. I'm getting to see him here. He looks improved. He looks better. He didn't look out of price with Kyle Fletcher. I would say, you know, you mentioned the match went long. It probably went too long. There's was probably maybe five minutes at the end that we didn't really need. I think... When you're gonna do like the, the big near falls and stuff, I don't know if it really works with a with with no crowd there. Um, but other than that, you know, I, I thought you know that's a that's a minor criticism because you know I think they did go out there with the intention to steal the show. We all know how good Kyle Fletcher is, uh, but yeah, I think a, a big surprise for me was just seeing how well Conor Mills kept up with him. Um, and yeah, it was just a, a really well built match. I think it, I think the two of them uh, looked really good, and yeah, Connor Mills looked as as technically good as I've ever seen him, and it, he was another one who you know. Coming out of the show, maybe think, oh yeah, I would like to see him maybe in in more prominent prominent places and and get another chance again.
0: James, any thoughts on this match?
2: Um, I'd echo that. I, I thought it was a good match. I, I saw um just before we came on air. I saw Voices of Wrestling had watched it and were bigging it up a little bit. Um, I, I, it's it's funny that there's, there's a the two the two guys in the match. Are at different levels in the Indies. Like you would say, Kyle Fletcher is is a top guy, and mm-hmm. you would say that Connor Mills is an up and comer. But they're a bit similar in my head that that they're both kind of guys. I feel like maybe stagnated in the last twelve months. Like Connor Mills at his level, he I feel like he should be where Michael Oku is at this point. Um, and Kyle Fletcher, he's 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 frustrates me a little bit. Like I I, I remember kind of twelve to eighteen months ago think in the absolute world of Kyle Fletcher and really thinking like that this guy could, if he was given a chance and if he didn't sign any contracts, could really end up being the top guy on the the UK Indies. And when you look at the UK independent scene at the moment and you look at the, the talent levels and even popularity levels, he has to be in one of the top five most popular guys on the UK Indies. But would you call him one of the top five best wrestlers on the UK Indies at the moment? I feel like he's kind of lost his way a little bit and he's doing this new gimmick with, with, with the mask and the, the darker gear and that kind of thing. I like that he's more hard hitting. I like that he's getting more serious. But I really want to see more from Kyle Fletcher. I, 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 this scene is wide open. He's an unsigned talent. He should be a top guy in these major promotions and he's kind of stuck on the undercards doing multi-man matches in Rev Pro and that kind of thing. I, I just, I want to see more from him. You know what I mean? This, I think, is, is, is somewhat of a step in the right direction. It was a little bit too long for sure. Um, but, I think it uh, it shows as well that there is potential in Connor Mills. I remember seeing him have a great match with Shane Strickland about 12 months ago. And I really felt like, again, he had potential. And again, seems to have just, you don't see him in the bigger places. Or if you do, you see him again on multi man matches. Like, you just want to shake these two guys and go, come on, lads. Like, th- th- this scene is dying for top guys. It's dying for people to, to come up and uh, to show something. And you just, they're two guys I'd love to see a bit more from, I think, more than anything.
0: You um, know, the main event was uh, Will Ospreay taking on B Priestley and, uh, they're in a relationship unless you didn't know by the uh incessant commentary constantly reminding you that they were boyfriend <laughs> and girlfriend but, um, and
2: yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean this was, a, this was another really good match on this show obviously mean, it was quite a short show wasn't it sort of like uh about two and a half hours long and um it seemed to fly by and and this was obviously uh osprey sort of like trying to bully Bee Priestley, and she was making some flashy comebacks um Really wincing, juicing, sort of like DDT onto the, uh, onto the side of the apron. And, um, she seemed to have, um, a lot of problems with her back, um, as. The end ended this match, but um, a really enjoyable match, I thought, here, Benno.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, yeah, you're right, though. I mean, Lord, would that um, commentary team not let the, the whole boyfriend-girlfriend thing go? I think they were trying to make a joke about, remember on ITV World of Sport when she came out? And that was the first thing. They go, yeah, this is, it's Will Osprey's girlfriend. It's Will Osprey's girlfriend. There yeah, she is, Will Osprey's mm. girlfriend. And I think they were trying to make light of that. But it was, it was a little bit odd. Um, but yeah, I mean... Gotta say it's the best match of B Priestley's career. I mean, I can't say I'm I'm closely following uh, Japan stuff, but I would, I would strongly say so. Unless someone can offer, uh, who's watching that, can can give us an an alternative. Definitely the best match I've seen her in, uh, and certainly Mm -hmm. on these shows. Uh, Yeah, I think you put it to us in in the uh, the group chat we got with Joe and JP, didn't you, Martin? About you know, can Will Ospreay take B Priestley to a five star match? Don't think he did. (laughs) But I think he took it to a four-star match. I think think it's close. Um, And yeah, I mean, I'm not one who loves intergender wrestling. I see why people have big problems with it. I saw, you know, as this match started, it was kind of like, this is a bit uncomfortable boyfriend and girlfriend kind Mm -hmm. of having a a, a physical fight. But for the part, they kind of made me, even me, who's maybe more of a critic of the genre than a supporter, just go along with the story they were telling. And I thought they did tell a really good story in the match. I thought B was great fighting from underneath against Osprey. I thought she was great in really just willing to give everything to the match. Uh, she took a couple of really nasty spills in the match, just really trying to keep up with Will, who is one of the best wrestlers in the world. Um again, understandable why he went over to being one of the best wrestlers in the world. I did wonder whether he was going to want to put his uh, his partner over um, and then you know, do, do the nice thing, but I think it was right there that he won in the main event of his own show, and at the end of the day, yeah, this was the, the Will Ospreay show, so if he does want to have a match with his girlfriend then who are we to, to stand in his way um, and yeah, it did deliver and again, in front of no crowd which, this was the match on the show where I wasn't even thinking about it, I mean, you know, I felt painfully aware of it a little bit in the, in the Neil Falls, in the Carl the Fletcher match we just talked about. But in this one, it, it just it slipped my mind entirely. They pulled me right into the match, right into the story they were telling. And I thought, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It felt believable in a way that maybe sometimes the gender matches don't always. It felt well worked. And yeah, it was just another, maybe not going to be talked about as one of Will Ospreay's best matches at the end of the year. But as far as an example of just how good he is, uh, I think this year this was a, a very, very good example of that.
0: And I mean, as much as we've sort of like poked a bit of fun at the sort of like wrestle talk um, commentary, it, the presentation of this, say, it was like a live stream and went by with no issues as well, Jamesy.
2: Oh yeah, uh, and puts certain major UK promotions to shame. I would say mm-hmm. it, it looked it looked better to me than, than your typical Rev Pro show. It has to be said. Um yep. Yeah. Looked good. The stream was solid as well, which hasn't always been the case with live streaming. The, you know, going back to Manny's and evolved show that I watched over the years that I had to get my money back from Gabe on because the stream fell to bits. Um, it was yeah, it looked great, um, even though there were no fans. The venue looked good. It it was it, it struck me as as a highly professional presentation. I would say, you yeah. know, and in fairness, when Will Osprey gets involved with something like that there's going to be a certain level of professionalism expected. Uh, you know, you, you're putting a guy who, who people call the best wrestler in the world on a show. It should look good and it should be a show befitting of the guy that's, that's kind of running it, you know? And yeah, I thought it looked great. The stream was solid. You can't ask for any more than that.
0: And all, you know, like top work sort of like raising so much money. Cause obviously Ospreay said in his promo at the end, you know, he doesn't him and be sort of like comfortable financially. And it was all about sort of like raising money for, uh, for the wrestlers that are out of work so well, I mean, considering the sort of, like, um, advice we've been given from the government sort of, like, since this show took place, could you see another one taking place, sort of, like, in the next couple of months, Ben, or do you think that was a sort of, like, one and done? It's wrestling, isn't it? So, probably. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I mean...
2: I mean it, you could never leave anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It probably wasn't advisable to even do this show. Like, I've seen... I know local... Rest- I mean, firstly, I mean, although, you know, we were critical of the commentary and maybe certain elements of the show, although overwhelmingly positive... The fact that the show took place and it made all that money for the wrestlers is an overwhelmingly good thing. I'm glad it existed. Should more exist? It's a difficult question. Like I, I know mm-hmm. local wrestlers who are still running like you know tr- wrestling training every week, and the kind of so I've seen them put out things like you know make sure you you wash your hands, don't come if you've got a cough, and then they get in a ring and they sweat all over each other, and it's like, is that a good <laughs> idea? Like, is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it, true. It's tough. I mean, who am I to say? You know, on the, I think that's the big negative that that really we should be avoiding things like this. But if you 're a wrestler if you're or, or if you 're even a will Osprey, who can see other wrestlers at a lower level than him struggling and genuinely struggling for income over these next couple of months, I could understand the want to do more shows like this. I could see you mentioned rev pro 's uh, resistance gallery show. I could see that being a a show more similar to this than actually being a show with uh, with fans in it um yeah i I think it's probably inadvisable, but I think the likelihood is that you know everyone's in such a difficult position and when it is fine margins like that maybe people will think the the risk as minor as i suppose it is it is going to be worth taking
0: yeah and i mean before i let you guys get into wxw speaking of shows that feel like they happened like months and months ago i just wanted to chat a bit about uh red pro second foray to the corporation Nightclub in sheffield i mean Well, it was good uh, walking in for the evening show that they put on. Uh, Attendance seemed to be up from last time. And um, I think it was just a better card all round. Uh, I mean, the main highlight was the six-man tag match. Uh, Mike Loku, Ricky Knight Jr., Robbie X taking on Carlos Romo, Dan McGee and and Mad Kurt. That was a really fun match uh, watching it live. And then also uh, Mark Haskins taking on uh, Sean Custom was a good match. Uh, Custom sadly knocked out of the ring lights jumping into the ring, uh, which led to everyone scrambling around trying to sort of like put the ring lights back on. And Shaw Samuel, who was on commentary for the evening, did an impromptu mug of the week uh, admonishing Custom uh, for ruining the ambience, as he put it, of the show. But um, not all in all, fun night. And um, Clark Connors uh, took on Kyle Fletcher. Obviously, we just talked a lot about Kyle Fletcher there, but obviously, he's a a new Japan young boy, and I thought he looked really good as well. Um, Old JP would have been would been proud of him. But, um, <laughs> yeah, all, uh, all in all good night. And I did notice the cameraman for the night had headsets on and someone seemed to be doing um, a vision mix of the live feed. So, obviously, Red Pro clearly trying to improve that VOD. <laughs> not, not really a show that I'd sort of like say people run out and watch straight away, but um, from a live perspective, really fun. And um, hopefully Red Pro are sort of like building on that audience at Southside has sort of, like, built up over the years in Sheffield and hopefully they'll run more shows, yeah. but... Um, Does it feel I mean,
1: um, Does it feel like um, a repro Pro show it, at this point?
0: It, no, not really, because obviously it's one of the smaller ones. I imagine it's probably what their uh, Southampton shows and their Portsmouth shows feel like. I mean, I didn't mm. notice Andy Quilden was in attendance for this one. I didn't notice him around for the last one, but... Um, Interesting. Yeah it, yeah, it still feels like a, a sort of, like, I know they wouldn't want to call it this, but a Red Pro B show. Sure. Um, I don't think anything's going to feel like those your call shows, is it, with um, a smaller audience and a different venue? But, um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it, and I'd definitely be up for, for some more. But, I mean, I'll let you guys uh, get on with WXW, and this is where I'm going to sign off. So, uh, yeah, uh, thank, obviously, great chatting with you guys as always, and we'll be back with some sort of show in the next couple of weeks. But, obviously, I'll let you guys get into WXW now
1: right uh well the uh, the boss is gone then jamesy um uh, should we start that uh, roh uh, bus talk 2006 <laughs> let's go through our favorite ring of on a moment of the gay era. is that what we're going to spend this last hour doing
2: <laughs> i'd love to and if if if, if, if keeps dying as it has been or oh, that might be what we end up doing
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll start that roh retro podcast one day mate the uh, the bus stories with jamesy and barrow it's coming
2: yeah Exactly. Well, we, We're going to have an awful lot of spare time in our hands for the next few months, so it might actually happen sooner than we think. <laughs> to be fair, they're actually being good about
1: putting the stuff up. YouTube's uh, full of yes. all these great highlight packages, uh, like Steve yeah. Generico's feud, the Samoa Joe collection, a punk collection. Yeah. That Marty yeah. Scale knows what he's doing.
2: I tell you he really has yeah absolutely turned the whole thing around hasn't he yeah just just lots of little good ideas like whereas before it was just completely stale and they were just kind of doing the same thing over and over and losing everyone's interest it's mm. it's they've been very unlucky haven't they i think he's been very unlucky with this whole virus thing because like th- those those shows like the retro show and that kind of thing really had people's interest, oh, and now they're man. just gone. You know, it's a pity.
1: That was supposed to be last weekend, wasn't it? I was looking forward yeah, to that. I was hoping yeah. the Havana Pitbulls were going to come out to some raging machine. I probably wasn't <laughs> going to get it, but I was hopeful uh, that it might happen. Uh, yeah, real shame. Hopefully we can do that. Oh yeah, Jay Train on the shows. Oh, get, get that lad to pay a day he deserves. It, him and Nana, the unsung heroes.
2: Definitely. Well, as we were saying earlier, Benno, um, sadly, I missed out on going to 16 Carat Mm -hmm. a few weeks ago, but fortunately, uh, you were there to represent the British Wrestling Experience. Um, I suppose we should say initially from the outset, full disclosure, we we were both invited to go on on media passes, which is a regular occurrence at these big WXW weekenders. And we should say our sincerest thanks to Patrick from WXW for for the offer. Um, I presume you were as well looked after by him and the staff as ever.
1: Oh, a top man. He actually gave me a lift back to Cologne um, after the show on the last night as well. Oh, Uh, wow. That's going above and beyond as far as uh, media duties as well. But I think that's the thing. with Obviously, yeah, he was there. John was very complimentary of, you know, what it looks like from the outside of our professional WXWR and how they treat the press. And they really are. You know, we we get the the press conferences where maybe they can't answer every question, but they do, you know, put themselves out there, which has got to be commended. You know, we do get the access to the weekend. um, And it is, you know, it's encouraged for you know it's a modern approach to it you know it gets people talking about wxw more and yeah uh i think uh, patrick's a, a massive part of that um and you know on a personal notice n- nope you know did become a good friend too and yeah we, we will miss patrick and we did appreciate uh everything he did including yet the uh the nicer uh, hour-long trip uh, down the german motorway to colonia he, uh, he took me on on the uh, on the sunday night
2: a fairly terrifying experience driving on that i'd say I do think they have no <laughs> speed limits is that right
1: Oh I don't know I didn't notice we were going pretty fast though uh, so yeah, maybe uh, maybe, yeah. maybe that's the case yeah yeah but no he's a great driver I wouldn't uh, wouldn't do him down
2: um and uh, I suppose that- like obviously, so we're going to be coming at this with two different perspectives obviously, mm. you, you were kind of there live in the building, and you have the, the the live atmosphere to to kind of recall and I was watching at home on v o d the first thing I suppose would be the setup it it, it looked like the v o d looks spectacular like they mm. they they're they're very close to to riptide in terms of the h d quality again i'm not not technically minded or anything like that, but the h d quality of the actual cameras they have. Is unbelievably good at this stage. You know the, the stage looked amazing. That that almost the, remember the old Noah style ramp that kind of went from the stage mm. to the ring. They kind they kind of had recreated that on a smaller scale. um It looked amazing in person. What what was it like to be there? Was it a kind of a step up from previous carrots? Would you say or
1: it's interesting because I think we maybe take it for granted a little bit. Because I got there, I was very you know I pretty much did this tournament by the skin of my teeth. Couldn't do the Thursday night just because of work commitments. Got there and the friday set up in my my airbnb and got myself to the show and was there with a couple of minutes to spare and i remember not having a huge amount of time to take it in but like the first thing i did notice was you know the big new uh, live video wall they had up because they were doing live edits of the show which you know wxw's production team is already first class that's obviously taking things to, to another level uh, the conspiracy theorist in me wonders, hmm, why do they want to do that? Why do they want to do live edits? I wonder yeah. what's coming. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the fact that they can do that, I think it was helpful too, because you were there in Turban Halla 1 last year, where it's the yeah. it's the bigger Turban Halla, and and if you're there standing, sightlines aren't always the best. Um, and they really were it really was much improved i think for the live experience having that big live screen and the live edit uh but yeah i think maybe we take for granted how good it is because the very first time you go there and you see it you're just like oh my god this is an indie and you do have to pinch yourself sometimes and i think i did kind of when it came to the big saturday night and the place was really packed and i you know i wasn't rushed into the building and i had the time to just stand there and take it in it's like my god this is you know, essentially, still an independent wrestling company. You know, there might be relations to bigger companies, but this still is a you know a self-run European wrestling company, and they've got these big video video walls. They've got this first-class lighting and setup. Uh, it is—it's beyond you know a level I think you could even imagine from a Brit wrestle or Irish or otherwise you know European company at this point. They are the trendsetters, and they are absolutely at the front when it comes to that stuff.
2: Yeah, and you have to kind of compliment them. They never stand still. You know, mm-hmm. like you, you could you could accuse a lot of British promotions of resting on their laurels and you could, should we call them their cousin promotion and progress of kind of, you would say that they've stagnated in a lot of ways and they've stopped kind of trying in terms of the aesthetic of their shows and that kind of thing and improving it. But like they seem to add something different every, every kind of Cars weekend, you know what I mean? And mm. um, the other thing that I noticed uh, on the VOD as well was just the... The entrances, I I don't hate the stock music entrances in the way that I hate them on a progress show or on other shows. They're actually pretty good, yep. and in, in some cases they're really good. <laughs> um, and like Daisuke Ikeda's tune was fantastic. I don't know have you have you watched that back yet on Ambition? The music they got for him it's seriously big time music like you feel like there's a big time wrestler coming to the ring when you hear that music they're they're catchy enough that that you know the way when you're when you're at a show for 3 nights and a song gets in your head you do find yourself humming along with some of them by by the kind of night 3 and that kind of thing oh, yeah. so again they they have made more efforts than other promotions i think they haven't just mm. put like some promotions just give people music just because they have to have music whereas there has been thought put into these the bobby guns one is somewhat conducive to the chanting and they've kind of slowed it down a little bit now because he's a heel, that kind of thing. You know, they mm. have, they have uh, Julian pace. It, it makes their wrestlers feel a little bit more special. I think when there's this kind of custom made music and then the, you know, they, they, they have the big video wall and, and what's going on on that kind of mirrors the music as well. And, and I do think I kind of, my heart sank when I heard that they were going to change the music, but I, what is What are we now six months on from them doing It, mm. it, it it's not terrible, you know what I mean? Are, and in some cases, it's quite good. Would you agree with that? 100%. Like, I am, you know,
1: I, you know the, to the the song, uh, the Ogdens were, uh, were singing along to that one. So that's when you know you've got to, <laughs> got to catch you on. But, like, yeah, you know, I am your flying WXW fan. You know, I am the person who comes in for the big weekend there, pays attention to the big matches when they happen and get rave reviews, but I'm not your month-to-month watcher. Now, with Progress, you know, mainly because of this podcast and uh, formerly my old podcast back when we used to, uh, my other podcast back when we used to cover Progress, like, I, I watch Progress pretty much every month. And if a progress, a progress theme hits, there's a 9 out of 10 chance I won't know who's coming out next. Yeah. WXW, absolutely. though, you know, considering the, the little amount of WXW, you know, in the grand scheme of things over a year and I'm watching, and know who's coming out, the, the music suits the character. You would have expected progress. That would be a strong point for them. Jim Smallmer being a, being a, you know, having a good ear for music and them having historically fantastic choices of themes when they had real music at, you know, at their leisure. Uh, They were really good at picking out themes for wrestlers who maybe already had one. But they gave, you know, the they gave him a, a theme specific to progress. I think, I think Psycho Killer was one for, for Tommaso Champa. I don't think he was using that outside of the progress. Maybe I'm wrong, but there are other ones where they did that. And, that you know, they reset things for the wrestlers. And they were they're good at that. And, yeah, they, they just haven't really had that attention to quality. And I think that's the difference. I think the WCW guys did sit down and spend a lot of time, you know, picking the songs off for these wrestlers. And, you know, some of them are sound alike, so their original theme. You know, you mentioned Bobby Guns. Some of them are just, you know, new themes entirely or just themes that that fit the wrestler. And I think they get away with it because of that but I think they also get away with it because as we mentioned the great production the big video wall uh, you know the, the great high def logos for each of the wrestlers and just the big time presentation just makes it a little bit more forgivable than maybe the yeah, the, the hot tag media esque stuff and I don't think it gets at that level anymore that, that the likes of Progress have had to use and you know not just Progress we'll throw under the bus Rev Pro have had some Absolutely. shocking original <laughs> themes like Chris Brooks all he does is complain about the uh, the what's he called the uh i think he called it the monster trucker cck theme that, yeah, that andy uh, yeah. quilder gave them uh so it, it can go really badly when uh when you assign music like that and yeah it be for the part of uh have been a success story in that regard and i didn't expect it i was one of the people on this podcast criticizing it saying uh, they're going to lose <laughs> well, a lot well, of viewers yeah. of the shows and they've lost some but not to the extent that i think it, the damage hasn't been as bad as i thought it would be
2: no absolutely not um I suppose there's only one place we could start and there's only one man we can start with really, the man who's kind of whose name was on everybody's tongue by the end of the weekend, and that's David Starr. Um for those who don't know, he would have main evented the um the big main event on night two was him against Bobby Guns for the WXW title. And uh, the stipulation was if Starr lost the match, he was done with WXW forever. Um I suppose let's talk about the match itself first and then we can talk about everything that arose from it then after that maybe. Um, again, because I wasn't there, I only got to see this match maybe a week after the show and I kind of had heard everybody's opinion who had been at the show at that point. And like, even amongst the Irish fans that I would regularly converse with online, there was a huge divide over this match. Half the people hated it and half the people loved it and there was no middle ground on it. You either really liked this match or you didn't. Um I fell on the side of really, really liking it. Um, it was long, and I, I fully understand that if you've been standing in the, and that was, a, to, to, the, to from what I can remember, that was the longest of the three big shows as well. Like the, the, it was nearly four hours long. Yeah, so actually, if you're standing, yeah, if you're standing in the Turban and Halle for that long, a 40-minute match may not be what you want to see. So for me, sitting at home, fresh as a daisy, I actually skipped ahead and watched this match before all the others. So I'm well-rested. I'm sitting at home. I'm nice and comfortable watching it. I understand if you're live in the building, you may not have liked this match as much as I did. But, like, I thought this was great. I thought... It was once again another home run for Bobby Guns. Third year in a row that he's killed it on a Carrot weekend. Like two years ago, we had that great match against um, Mike Bailey for the shotgun title with that gruesome finger work. Um, last year, he had the great match against Thatcher where Thatcher beat him. And this year again, he has another match of the year, candidate, or borderline match of the year candidate, I would say, against David Starr. And... Um, it was just a really, really good match. I, I thought it was, it was right up my alley in terms of being really technically sound. I thought the initial mat work was really, really good, really gritty, great sense of struggle to it. Um, I thought they asked get it really well at times. Like there's, there's, that insane suicide dive that star does, um, about halfway through the match where he literally just flings himself into an open row of seats. And you, you're kind of worrying about his health at that point. Um, there's some tremendous arm selling by Starr in it as well. Like, like much of the matches is his guns. Much, much of his wrestling would be centered around working on the arm. And he takes Starr's arm apart really well in this match. And there's some lovely little moments of selling, which will always appeal to me. Like, um, At one point, he does that cartwheel that he does to to, to kind of evade guns. And because his arm is injured, he kind of collapses in the middle of it. Like, and you know me, Benno, like (laughs) when you get get the little fine details like that, like that's the stuff that has me jumping off my sofa and punching the air. Um, There's another time when he has... um, he has guns in a kind of a, it's a sharpshooter type kind of a submission hold. And again, because the arm is hurting him, he can't get the grip on it properly. And he's trying to grab Guns' arm at another point when he has him in that hold and he can't reach him. And it means Guns can make the ropes. So there was the fine detail as well, you know. Um, I thought that the, the finishing stretch was dramatic, dramatic without being kind of overdone. A um, little bit of blood, always good, always enhances a match as far as I'm concerned. Um, so I thought it was just a really great main event as I said, viewed as a person who was totally fresh, hadn't sat through the three and a half hours that preceded it, um, and I really enjoyed it. But I think you're kind of on my side in it, and you were somebody who was there, is that right? Yeah, that's it. I I probably should have expected you to be
1: so high on it. I don't know why I wasn't sure you would be. You know, we had a, a mini-version of this conversation on Twitter because it yeah, does scream yeah. out Jamesy. <laughs> a lot of the things yeah, you just mentioned. Absolutely. this match, I'm, yeah. I'm checking off of my head going, yep, yeah, of course, Jamesy loved that, of course, Jamesy loved <laughs> that. For me, I think I had a similar experience to watching on the BOD because, you know, the, uh, I don't want to talk about our press privilege too much, but I was up in the uh, in the rafters for this one watching it from up top. Like a like a, like a Alan Sheepshot as Emperor, I think it was last year, put the th- down every time somebody did a dive that he didn't enjoy. <laughs> I felt like him stood there at the at the top surveying this one.
2: <laughs> That's it, place. A good vantage point though for all the match work and stuff. Oh, I'd yeah. imagine
1: for a match like this, I think it's the way to take it in. And I think yeah, yeah maybe yeah. if you if you are down on the floor, I kind of get why people came out negative from it. I also get you might watch this VOD and go, ah, it's forty minutes. You know, it's a long time. You know, for a yeah. for a very you know a selling heavy match. Um, I think maybe for me, I, I watched this one live, and I loved it. I would, but I think for me, I would, the reason I loved it so much as I was in there, I was, I was feel this felt real. This was a, I was stood there, you know, even in my high capacity as a media member, stood there thinking. I really, really hope David Starr doesn't lose this match. I was invested yeah. in the result of this match yeah. because I didn't want to see David Starr leave WXW. I didn't want the reality to be that David Starr has to leave WXW. So yeah, I, you know, I was up top, living or dying by the result of this match, and yeah, getting to survey the crowd, getting to survey, you know, the different reactions through the crowd. There still was that small, Bobby Gunn section, uh, which was unfortunate considering how. You know the story was laid out in this match, and how you know David Starr was overwhelmingly the babyface yeah. to the uh, to the native German fans. But you know that was a minor point; didn't really come across in the uh, the VOD when I rewatched it. But I was up there, yeah, living or dying by the match. And you mentioned my two. My two biggest takeaways from the match there where it was that big cutoff, that suicide dive into the Rosa chairs. That was scary watching it live. Like I, I, find, I find those spots scary every time. I think we were desensitized to them because they, they happened in progress three times a show or at least they used to. Um, and, and that was... Great, as good as one as I've seen, David Starr bowling balled himself through those chairs. But it, it wasn't meaningless. It wasn't just a spot. It it, it meant something. That was the cut off in the match. That was the moment where you know David Starr was you know on the on the on the selling end of the match and was you know having to, to fight back from underneath. And yeah, you mentioned the arm selling, the the arm injury, and you know trying to hit the handstands and Lariats with both his fresh arm and essentially using the the dead body part that's hanging off him to a uh, to hit the move at one point as well uh, i was banging into it and um, you know i think the biggest criticism here and i wonder i wanted kind of your take on it was a lot of people i spoke to live in the building who didn't like the match and you know some of them pointed to the length some of them kind of pointed to you know other factors in the match maybe the crowd even but on that crowd point i think a big factor that a lot of people pointed out was maybe how silent it got near the end and I wondered your take on it because I maybe I'm being charitable, but like there was a moment and it wasn't right at the end, but towards the end, David Starr kisses the WXW belt as if to kiss it goodbye, and that was the moment for me where I was like, "Yep, David Starr's gone," and I kind of felt myself going as much as I'd been into the match, maybe losing a little bit of my faith. And I wonder whether that that was a reason whether they maybe they did go too long. But it was a weird last two minutes of the match where really the crowd went pretty much silent. Yeah. It was very, yeah. very quiet in there for the finish. And part of me is like, can you rate a match highly when the finish has that quieter finish? And, you know, maybe I'm trying too hard to, to explain it to myself, you know, in saying that maybe it was the fact that the fans were feeling like me. Maybe they were disheartened. Maybe they knew this was it for David Starr and that's why you know I, I would say from my vantage point it looked like everyone was paying attention it wasn't like anyone looked particularly bored to me maybe that overinvestment, maybe that sadness had had sunk in um, I don't know do, can you see any merit in that do, do you criticize the match for maybe quote-unquote losing the fans in those last two minutes uh, what was your take on it watching it on the VOD?
2: Um, it's it's a good point I I would say throughout the match I felt the crowd was quite subdued Mm. and like in, in my head watching it I'm thinking tiredness you know all the feedback i got from people who were there were saying it was a long day it It was was. a long you know and that's yeah that's the thing it's a long day some people had been up at half 10 that morning watching wrestle cult in a pub (laughs) across the road on their fourth show of the day at this point and then they're landed with a 40 minute match that's going to be tough to keep going for that long Mm. you know what i mean and that's understandable To, to your point about the crowd being into it Is it a case, another one of these cases of this is WXW not giving us our rice pudding? Like, they've almost become notorious at this stage. (laughs) The Germans don't seem to love the happy ending that maybe American or, or UK audiences do. You know what I mean? They don't feel obliged to finish every story on a happy ending. And as you said, that moment where he kisses the belt, you kind of almost know it's done. Yeah. and 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 the, and the finish is quite decisive uh, I, there's one big kickout where, where where star kicks out of that kind of fire thunder driver type move that, that guns does and then not long afterward he hits another and that's it and it's 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 a decisive win um but you know, you could say, could they do a load of kickouts and wake the crowd up? But maybe it's better, like, if you're leaving, like, he's doing the right thing there. He's leaving on his yeah. back and he's putting the guy over strongly and he beats him decisively and he beats him cleanly as well. You know, that's the other thing. There were no run ins from the pretty bastards or Norman Harris or anything <laughs> like that. So it's like, it's, 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 I would say it with the crowd, it was grim acceptance by the crowd of what was going to happen. Mm. But maybe that's okay. Maybe we don't have to have the big the big kick-out-laden finishing stretch. You know what I mean? Maybe we just, this is this is the end of the story. And as you said, it's also very, very real. And I mean, for a lot of people in that building, they're genuinely upset that he's gone. And I suppose, and that kind of leads us nicely, I suppose, into the post-match. Oh, yeah. um, Not on the VOD, I, I believe? No, but they did put it on YouTube. Fair enough. So they did put it out there. Like, I mean, I was able to watch his full speech on YouTube. So they 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 weren't they didn't shy away from putting it out. Like, what was it like to be in that crowd? What it must have been almost funereal. I would say. Like, there was there was two girls on the VOD, literally crying their eyes out right beside the ring apron as he's making that speech. Like, it was Mm -hmm. it was a very very real moment.
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, I was glad to see they did put it on the uh, on YouTube. I thought that was a nice thing in a weekend where, you know, for the for the sake of this story, WXW have become the heel. I think they baby-faced themselves yep. a little bit by saying, We're not yep. hiding. We're putting this on, on we're putting this on YouTube for everybody to watch. Uh yeah, it was really weird because from the from the jump off, Starr is clearly not in character anymore. And you know, the match <laughs> is literally just finished. I think Bobby Guns isn't even backstage yet. And, you know, David Starr's talking about himself as a man and talking about, you know, coming to a decision to leave, you know, not there's no pretense. I lost this match and I've got to leave. This is the real David Starr. And, you know, we did the the media stuff the day after uh, with with the guys running uh, WXW. And I think it was Tassilo Young who said it. Uh might have been Dennis Bergendahl. But they were saying that, you know, in this situation, they kind of said to Starr, listen, do you want to cut an in-character promo? Or do you want to cut a promo where you're David, you're, you know, you're David Starr, the man? And you're talking to, you know, to your fans and, and having a real goodbye. And David Starr went with the, you know, the David Starr the man approach to it. And you know, we, we how many, you know, solemn goodbye promos did we, we we joked about Ring of Honor at the start, Jamesy, but you know, we saw plenty of those, didn't we? You know, the, the goodbye Absolutely. promo, the kiss yeah. in the mat, I'm going on to bigger and better things. This kind of wasn't even that though, because it was, I'm leaving, I don't want to leave, they don't want me to leave, but I'm leaving. And it just it really was a solemn atmosphere. And I don't want to say that bled into people's rating of the match. I think people are intelligent enough to, you know, still say whether the match was good or not. But it certainly bled into people's mood, you know, coming out of the show. Because it really was a downer. It was emotional. I'm glad I was a part of it. I'm glad I got to see it. But you could you, you kinda of walked out just feeling downtrodden and just thinking, yeah. God, you know, I'm having a great weekend. I love being here. I love being in the turban Hall. I love Germany. I love coming to WXW. But if this is the reality of WXW now, I can't mm. help but be sad. And I can't help but be sad for David Starr, the man as well. For for yeah. Max Barsky, is that his name? I, I can't be. I can't help but be sad for him and the situation that he's in because this is the real man talking to all of us and and telling us really the real story as to to why he's having to leave this company. And yet it didn't. It just didn't sit well.
2: Yeah, and there's that quote from the speech like which sums the whole thing up, I think, more than anything, where he, he says, freedom of speech does not come without consequences. And like He's more or less, without saying it directly, he's kind of giving us a hint as, as to what's happened there. Mm. Um, so let's talk about that, about, yeah. about, about about a wrestler who doesn't want to leave a promotion, and about a wrestling promotion that doesn't want the wrestler to leave, and yet here we are where that exact thing has happened. So this is WWE coming home to roost, I suppose. Mm. You know, and like we, we we seem to end up talking every time we speak on a podcast, Benno, about this, uh, about it not being good for promotions, it not being good for wrestling and that kind of thing. Like and this is a very specific situation where you have a wrestler who wants to unionize which is something that WWE are totally against, have always fought against, have always railed against the idea that their wrestlers would unionize. They do not want that to happen. We have a guy who has openly criticized corporate wrestling, has openly criticized WWE for, for he has like, I've seen him rant on, on, on Twitter about the fact that they go to Saudi Arabia, the fact that they don't, you know, healthcare isn't always a priority for them with their wrestlers. Um, I remember at one stage him trying to start a hashtag, cancel the network, trying to, <laughs> trying to literally get people to stop buying the WWE network, which we presume at some point this promotion that he's in that, that he's in, in Germany are going to be on. So I suppose I want to play devil's advocate just for a minute. Now, this isn't my opinion. This is not what I think. But if you're WWE and you have a satellite promotion, we'll call WXW, or you have co-opted a promotion and you have this guy working for them and for progress who's saying all these things. Is it not unreasonable for you to say, stop using this guy, stop putting him on your VOD, stop giving him a platform to say these things? Now, that's not my opinion, but I just kind of want to flip the whole thing around. I think it's fairly obvious what we think about it. We both think this is a very bad thing for wrestling. We both, but, but from their point of view, do you see their point in any way in all of this?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, and I see WXW's point as well. They don't want to be the promotion that puts, you know, a David Starr who can say anything on yeah. shows that are going to be going to, you know, what, William Regal for approval or going to WWE if, if they are finding themselves on the network. I can see it. I can see it from all sides. I think that's the difficulty with this story. I think it's become a bit of a caricature because I think... The black and white, easy thing to say, and I've said it, is WWE wanted Starr out. He's been blackballed, full stop. That's the story. I I think the story lives in the shades of grey. Yeah. I think, obviously, like you say, that's an element. Of course, of course WWE don't want David Starr on their network. Of course WXW are in an awkward position, but... It's a real grey one. And I've seen, you know, the opposite be said. I've seen people say things like, well, you know, all all I've heard is WXW went to David Starr and said, stop being political. And David Mm -hmm. Starr said, no, I won't stop being political. Well, you know, what does stop being political mean? Why would they ask him that? And I think we've got the clue, you know, from what you've just said there, and from what I've said as to why they might be asking him that. And I think that's where this story lives. I think there's just, from all sides, we were heading to this moment. Like there was no way David Starr was going to be able to continue to work in WXW if WXW is going on WWE Network next year and every sign, you know, from Omali appearing on NXT UK to, you know, NXT UK guys appearing over this weekend, that that's coming. Of course it's coming. Uh, Whether it's this year or next year or, you know, it continues to get delayed, it's coming. But I think the point is we were always hurtling to this moment because... You're right, you know, you've got to play devil's advocate and look at it from all sides. From David Starr's point of view, WXW winds up on WWE Network. As you said, David Starr is a vocal critic of the WWE network and its payment to indie wrestlers. I yes, can't exactly. see his misgivings being resolved in any way. That that just realistically, that's never happening. So for David Starr, I would say appearing on WWE Network is a red line. For WXW, if they're going on WWE Network, let like you say. Having a guy being as vocally critical as David Starr is and having a guy who can go on a show and potentially say anything, as right as I might personally think David Starr is, isn't the idea for WXW either. So I think we were maybe kidding ourselves that this moment wasn't coming. I think it was always coming. I think, you know, from the WXW side, I think I don't like it, but I can understand why they might go to a David Starr and say, don't be political. You know, even with the undertones that comes with. And from David Starr's point of view, from a credibility point of view, from a you know, a real life point of view, from the real things David Starr is trying to do in the world with regards wrestling and as whole with the indie stuff, David Starr can't say yes to not being political anymore. That's that's death for David Starr. Uh both the character you know, and the highly principled man as well. Um so yeah, I just think for me, I feel like the story is more complicated than maybe sometimes it, it gets described as. I don't know if you uh, agree that's accurate.
2: No, no, I, I, I kind of think the same. And like, it, as you said, it's easy to kind of shout and roar about blacklisted and he's, you know, he's we've been treated so badly and that kind of thing. But like... If, there are sides to all these stories. It is a nuanced thing, we we have to kind of examine it in a nuanced way. I think to be fair about the yeah. whole thing, and there's you know an element of
1: that, isn't there? We got to, You know, there is an element of I'm sure there's there's manoeuvrings behind the scenes of you know WWE aren't the most moral company in the world, and I'm sure they don't want him yeah. on the network, and I'm sure they don't want David Starr doing some of the great work he's doing. Uh, you know that that does exist as an element of the story, and a big element of the story, maybe. But there's maybe more to it.
2: Yeah, I, I tell you what, what, what I am sure about now at this point is that, that, that those people that kind of sneer about his intent and mm-hmm. his his uh, genuineness. You know, you, you get a lot of talk about this weedy indie thing is only a cover for selling T-shirts and he's only doing it to get himself over and he's only doing it to promote himself. And like you cannot hold that opinion anymore and look in any way credible because the man is literally costing himself bookings in high profile companies. You know what I mean? He could have taken their advice and said, I'll stop being political and just focus on being a really, really good wrestler. And chances are he'd be WXW champion now. You know, um, there's a good chance that he might have been the next progress champion. You know what I mean? He could be a top guy in both of the the two of the biggest promotions in Europe. Mm. He's literally costing himself money, to be true to himself and to be true to the cause that he started. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. like this this bullshit that you hear from people about Star is not genuine and he's disingenuous. Like that that is the thing that has been proven now. Like that has to stop now because that is complete horseshit. You know what what I mean? And and, and further to that, if you're going to go to, to a WXW event and in the middle of this emotional speech that he's making, You're going to shout personal abuse at David Starr and stick your finger up at him. And I I, I question why you go to wrestling shows in the first place, because this childish stuff that's been going on around him from certain fans, like it's just ridiculous. And all the arguments that they've tried to make to kind of back up the stance that they just don't like the guy personally. Mm. They're all out the window at this stage. Like, So I, I think at this point, if nothing else comes from that, at least we have a little bit of clarity on that, that he is very much... A man that we should be, you know, holding up for being so principled as to cost himself money at this stage, and cost himself status, and cost himself the chance to ever be in a major co- wrestling company. Because it's not just WWE that he goes in on at this stage; he's doing it about AEW now as well and OTT. Mm-hmm. You know? So he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's determined to 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 be principled to himself. And he's cutting his nose off to spite his face at this stage, almost, you know. So really at is. least let that. At least it's we've put that to bed, if nothing else.
1: Yeah, I, I, like I say, there's always going to be the mo- minority. Is probably even a, a nice way of putting of people who are going to yeah. pretend. At this point, I think it's safe to say, pretend David Starr isn't great because David Starr is great. Um, both, as, great. Yeah. both as yeah. a wrestler and a, as a principled individual, like you say, mm-hmm. um, he is. You know, he's the he's the best wrestler in Europe. Who's Who's here full time? You know, obviously we're all sprays in the conversation there if you're not talking full-time. But if you're talking full-time, it's David Starr. And the best wrestler in Europe can't work for the two biggest promotions in Europe, which are probably still WXW in progress. You know, maybe with a shout-out to OTT in there too. Mm -hmm. But, you know, two of, at least, the biggest indie companies in Europe can't, quote-unquote, use David Starr anymore. And David Starr can't work for those promotions anymore. And that's because... He stuck to his principles and he stayed his own man. And you know there is the element of David Starr can take this, and you know the talent of David Starr is the worker that he can turn this into you know uh, something that people will rally behind him further. It, it it gives him it does give him some credibility. It will allow yeah. him to push on in you know in OTT and Rev Pro. But you know we shouldn't underestimate also what he's lost from it. And you know, don't get me wrong, you know what I was saying before about you know uh, maybe I don't believe that directly you know wwe walk, you know rang somebody the wxw one day and said don't use david star and then wxw went to david star and went we're not using you anymore mate but even if i don't believe it's directly wwe it's definitely undirectly wwe it's definitely okay. it bleeds into the conversation of you know everything we've said about wwe taking over european wrestling and taking over the top level of european wrestling because it yep. means a wrestler as good as david star can't work for the two biggest European companies anymore because of the political implications of it, because of those two companies' relationships with WWE, and it just it it makes those promotions the heel. It makes this the big story on a weekend where WXW drew sixteen hundred people for Saturday nights. Like that's a, yeah. a a company record, but it still even in the face of that immense business success, it does lead you know people like us and for uh, for cluding fans to just. Ask more questions uh, about WXW, and it does. It doesn't, you know. They, they've done a good job of being as forthright as they can, but at the end of the day, it doesn't paint them in a good light, and it doesn't bode well for the for the next David Star who comes along, uh, and the next situation like this that we're surely going to find ourselves in as WWE do continue to muddy the waters.
2: Yeah. And let's keep asking questions and let's kind of keep let's keep going on a negative slant for now, because the other thing that happened on on, on night three (laughs) was was a a triple threat match for the Shotgun Championship where, surprise, surprise, for the the second year in a row, um, Alexander Wolf comes out of nowhere and is now the Shotgun Champion. And like I'm I'm sitting at home reading the spoilers of this and my heart is sinking. You know what I mean, and it's it's. I just I'm feeling all the time that the the WWE involvement is kind of finally coming home to roost. You know what I mean, like that. But again, we kind of have to look at it from both sides. We don't like this. Me, you, our friends, a lot of the Irish that I know t- who are wise to what has been happening in European wrestling. Let's say over the last few years, and are fairly clued in on, on what it is, and i have seen it happen in the UK already. But that building from what I can see on the VOD goes absolutely nuts when Wolf comes out and goes even more nuts when he wins the title. So are we wrong or are we right? You know <laughs> what I mean? That's the other side of it. Like if you're getting that reaction yeah. and if like, you know, that that's the other thing when you're drawing crowds, the size of 1600, it's, it's, A percentage of them are your WXW diehards who are watching every month and who are going to shows every month. But bigger and bigger numbers of that are casual fans, probably NXT UK fans, probably WWE fans. And in their minds, a guy that's on the network who has been on SmackDown, even even though it wasn't the most inspiring run, he is a WWE superstar, in adverted commas. And for them to see him coming back and winning a title is a big deal. Mm -hmm. So you weigh it up. Is it like is, is is that right for WXW to do, or you know, like because maybe from a business point of view it's a great idea, you know?
1: Yeah, if you're if you're running WXW, you see that crowd reaction. Why would you question it? Uh, if you're a German fan who's just happy to see Alexander w- Wolf back, mm-hmm. I can get not questioning it. But you're right; that was the mood in the building. That was another case where I was stood on my lofty perch, just looking down and seeing <laughs> the Germans losing their minds for the most part for Alexander Wolf coming out. Me stood up there as uh, Mister Anti WWE, kind of going, <laughs> oh, just kind of almost wanting to be sick in my mouth, like, oh. God, this guy getting a hero's reception, this NXT UK bum getting a hero's reception. Yeah. yeah. But, and you know, I'm looking down, and the English, the Irish, the otherwise, you know, the people who aren't maybe WXW regulars, or the, the people who maybe, who've like you said earlier, who've lived through progress, who've lived through this happening before, they're all the ones standing there scratching their heads going, what is going on? What is with this pop? For this, I mean, they did this spot last year, you know, and it got him onto the pop there as well. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's a complicated one because, yeah, I think you could look at that and go, See, we drew 1600 people, see, you got a hero's reception. The Germans want it. the Germans who are going to be there, hopefully, you know, going forward for the books to be every month. Never mind me turning up with my press pass twice a year. They're going to be made up to see Alexander Wolf, but, but but I can't help but watch it and just go, Yeah, th- th- this is. This is more of the same. This is an NXT UK guy winning a shotgun, winning the shotgun belt, making me think, "Ooh, what's coming next? Why why do they want to put the belt on an NXT UK contracted guy?" We've seen these kinds of things happen before. I don't know, James maybe we're just jaded. Uh, but like, yeah, for me, I, d- I didn't think the match was any good either. Maybe again, maybe that's my political leanings <laughs> making me feel that. The aftermath certainly didn't help uh, with one of the worst angles uh, I think I've ever seen. Uh, oh, following oh it up God. too. But yeah, I, I walked out, this match was the most attached I've ever felt at a live WXW show where I've thought... I, for the most part over the weekend i feel like i'm part of this even when the germans are stopping me in the toilet and going where are you from uh, and then i say liverpool and they go oh do you support liverpool i go no i support evan and then they walk off disappointed uh, i do feel part of the community though you know i like having those chats with the random germans in the toilet i like getting my bonds i like you know just being there in general but then moments like this are the ones where i think god am i in the wrong am i the outsider because yeah i really really wasn't feeling this
2: yeah, I think ultimately what what will be the proof of whether this is right for them as a company or wrong is where they'll be say in two years' time. Because you know, we 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 are all very adamant to say that that progress has dramatically declined in quality in the last three or four years. I can see things slipping in W X W quality wise. Evolve the same thing. Quality dropped when WWE, there's a pattern in companies of WWE coming in and quality dropping. And then the buzz drops, and that's the pattern that I see happening over and over in in promotions. I can see the quality in WXW in the writing, in the storytelling, is not as good as it was two years yeah. ago. You mentioned that lucky kid thing, where, where they do, a, they've been doing an angle for months, where this or for weeks, where, where this eye has come up on the screen to distract him, and then we find out that he's behind the thing that distracted him and cost him, <laughs> and cost him the first round match of Carrot. Like that's just terrible. That's, there's no defending that. No, you, There's no way you can sit that down to me and explain it to me in a way that makes logical wrestling sense, no. that somebody would cost himself matches. It makes no sense. It just, none of it makes sense. The fact that Lucky Kid is there doing that 12 months after he won that tournament and left the place, and we thought they had a new young baby face who'd carried the company for years. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, so the, the slip in quality has happened. The next thing that happens when the buzz is gone is the crowds decline. So you look at progress. And look at Super Strong Style 16 and look at their big shows that they've run in, in Wembley Arena and look at the way that the crowds for those have declined as the years have gone on. So what I'll be looking at very closely in, in, in carrots in years to come, will it be 1,200 next year? Will it be 800 the year after? Will it slip back? You know what I mean? And, and that's ultimately, mm. and all indications will point to it being the same pattern. Like ICW, look at their crowds. they are gone from 6,000 down to running their big but where do they run this year? A six hundred seater venue or something it like might that? Might as well be a pub, I think. Yeah,
1: I think it was yeah, <laughs> that yeah. level. They've,
2: they've literally got ten percent of the crowd they drew four or five years ago. Yeah. So I, that's what happens. So let's see what happens at WXW yeah. because maybe the German scene is different, and maybe mm. this is what German fans want, and maybe we're wrong. And hands up, they are very. <laughs> big, but, but the people that run WXW are very good business people, and, and they're very pragmatic. And if they think that this is what it needs to bring them to the next level, rather than decline then who are we to be arguing about it like? And maybe it's yeah. time for us to take a step back and let the at us, you know what I mean? But, yeah. um, it, maybe. It'll be, it'll be go on, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, maybe it's not ours. Maybe maybe that's
1: the yeah. the outside. Yeah. But I do think as outsiders, we can look at it with a fresh set of eyes because, I mean, I maybe have a minor disagreement with like the pattern, because I think the other thing that, that does happen and that we're seeing here is initially, crowds do go up. You know, initially, you know, you look at, like, the NXT UK, the WWE UK initial tournament, like, Pete Dunne, Trent Seven, Tyler Bate weren't stars until that tournament. They were pushed commodities, but they weren't stars. And I think those guys and the exposure they got on WWE TV did lead to more British wrestling fans being created, and it led to more people going to progress shows. Whether those people stuck around, is another question. But there was that short honeymoon period, wasn't there? Before, at the same time, like you said, you rightly said, the creative nose dived and the buzz nose dived. And I think you kind of got that initial masking of it all, because despite the creativity going down, despite the maybe the, the buzz in hardcore circles going down, it was propped up by this, this new influx of fans. I wonder if that's what we're getting with WXW as well. We've got this yeah, influx true. right now. These last couple of carrots have been the most successful ever. They're able to run in Turban Hall one. I, I mean, that says it all. Um, yeah. But... Is it masking the bigger issues that come down the line? Is it masking the Lucky Kid issue, as you mentioned? I mean, you know, for all we talk about press passes, you, you can't say I'm co-opted because those WXW owners are sick to the back teeth of every time we have a press conference, me going, right, lads, so about Lucky Kid. Re- remember when he won Carrot? What the fuck have you done with him since? To You know, maybe not to those words, but basically just saying, come on, lads, you know you've dropped the ball with Lucky Kid. And they have, and they've, I mean, that is, that was a can't miss, what a baby face he was, what a... The potential was there. Maybe they even went too soon with him as a carrot winner. But once you did it, all the goodwill in the world was behind Lucky Kid. You look at you know, the rise story that fell apart around him, he somehow survived that. Um, yeah. and he was the star of that. You know, that, that, that was one of the first things that caught my eye. The first carrot I flew out to is like this Lucky Kid. There's just there's something about him in this stable that the, the fans just are gravitating towards. He is a natural baby face, and instead, He's a Seth Rollins heel with a with a budget AOP faction behind him, changing his name, like you said, yeah, doing nice. the weird eyes gimmick. Like what? How on earth is this, you know, a success? Based on you know winning carrot previously, and they're the things to allow out for you know that yep. it, it undermines the success of what That's the winning six sixteen carrot means to a wrestler and it just it, there are other examples off this weekend we'll probably talk about where I thought the, the Buchan was ropey to say the least, but mm-hmm. this was the the most glaring example
2: yeah. And and from one winner of sixteen carat to another, Benno, what about that for a segue? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we end up with Karen War winning winning sixteen carat. And um, if I had said to you on Friday morning, look at that sixteen man field, and Karen War is going to be the winner of carat, how would you have felt? <sighs>
1: I would have felt, oh, no, something's up. <laughs> I would have thought, oh, no, Karen yeah. Awal, isn't he the progress yeah. champion? Oh, now he's winning Karat. Oh, and that's kind of the feeling that came out after the weekend.
2: Yeah. Like, t- to my mind, this this I'd have to look at the list of Carrot winners. I'm pretty sure this is the first time somebody has walked into the company having, has he ever wrestled, maybe wrestled once before for them, I can't remember, but basically a complete newcomer, say a newcomer to the Turban in Hala anyway has yeah. one sixteen 16 carat. That's a departure from what they've always done. They have always kind of used it to push one of their own guys or used it to at the very least push somebody who mightn't be their own guy, but somebody who's at least a regular, you know? Um, and that is, that's an alarm bell straight away because it's a departure from the norm. Now, what I would say based on watching the VOD, um, Karen Noir did a brilliant job over the three nights of getting himself over to that crowd. Mm. Uh, I thought all his matches were at least good. And like 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 they saddled him with Mario Salani on night one, <laughs> who to me isn't, isn't the best, shall we say. Uh, he's probably another conversation in of his own right, but still managed to get a decent match out of him. Jeff Cobb night two. I don't particularly rate Jeff Cobb. I remember us talking about him on Grapple Spotlight before. Um, mm. I just think something missing with Jeff Cobb. And I saw Karen Noir uh, in the second round get more fired out of Jeff Cobb than I have seen anybody get fired out of him in a long, long time. He genuinely got him fired up. And all the way through this tournament, he played a really great role of the underdog. You know, his semi final again, another really, really good match. Um, and then the final. I thought it was a good match. Again, I had a lot of, more unanimously amongst my friends who were at the show, they hated the final. They thought it was too long. I think they were on a massive downer. Like, like, this was quite a, this was a depressing show when you look through it. Like, night three, there was that women's match, first of all, with a really god-awful angle afterwards with Alexander James and Killer Kelly. That was borderline distasteful, I would say. Then you have Timothy Thatcher leaving the company. Another guy who's been stolen away from WWE. A good match and a lovely moment, but a sad moment. Mm. And then you go from that into 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 the, the triple threat match with with um, Alexander Wolfe winning the shotgun title. So there's a triple whammy there of just bad stuff, you know, or, or depressing or bad things. Um, so people were down. And then I, I think what didn't help the final was that people really wanted Eddie Kingston against against Speedball to be the final. I know a lot of my friends, even from the outset, wanted that match. I know, thinking about Scrapper Mania, that match was on the cards at one point and we really, really wanted to see Speedball against Eddie Kingston. And when people had that in their heads and it was kind of, they would say it was stolen away from them, I think a lot of people maybe rejected the final. Um, Again, to me, sitting at home, I'm cherry-picking this show. I'm skipping past stuff. I'm skipping past that women's match and that whole angle because it's just complete rubbish. I don't want to watch it. I don't have time to watch it. (laughs) I'm skipping... I'm skipping through the triple threat match to get to the aftermath to see what type of reaction Alexander Wolfe was getting. Um, I'm able to turn it off and go back to it and that kind of thing. I thought in and of itself it was a really good final. Um, I thought Bailey was great in it. I thought he was... I think Speedball is a really good baby face, but he's also really good at being a bit of a dick. He kind of has this disingenuousness about him and meanness about him and he kind of showed that in this match and he, again like Cara Noir is just his fire and his ability to, to, to come back and to fight from underneath um, and the pop that he got when he won the tournament you can't say that the crowd rejected him as 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 a Cara's winner I think the crowd embraced him as a Cara's winner I think him in that big venue I think the bigger venue you put Cara Noir in the better he looks mm. I think like that big stage with that entrance, with that music, it, like I would have loved to see that in person because on VOD it came across really well. Like I remember seeing him in the ringside club for OTT in a 200 person venue and his entrance looks silly in that small environment. You're kind of thinking you need him in that. I saw him in the stadium for OTT another time and it looks great in the national stadium. It's it's almost like the bigger the stage, the better he looks. And you can't fault him for how well he got himself over like I'm more all in on Karen War after this weekend than it would have been before. Um, I thought he did a great job in and of himself. I don't know how you thought it. What you think about all that Benoît?
1: Yeah, that's funny because like I would if you if you if you did like a poll of most of the the Irish and the Brits who went, people didn't like this match, and it was probably for the reasons you talked about. I think you know just the the overall negativity but- on night three well surprisingly I'm in the same boat as you I did enjoy it and it it, it, it's it's not a match that's for me like I I am on record as being the biggest probable Johnny, Johnny Gargano hater in the world I hate that NXT UK, NXT UK, NXT proper, staring at your hands, dramatic, Shawn Michaels 45 minute sell job kind of match. This wasn't yeah. exactly that, but there were elements of it, weren't there? You know, The, the over dramatics near the end, the kind of, you know, oh, I don't want to kill you, oh, actually, we had our will, that type of stuff. That isn't to my taste, but I think when it's Cara Noir, because he's a dramatic character who fits that style, it was fine by me. And I think maybe there's live bias speak, speaking here too. I've went back and watched a lot of this weekend. This isn't a match uh, at this point I've been able to go back and watch. it. maybe I won't. Maybe I'll let the, the live memory kind of live. Uh, I think sometimes that's the best thing to do, isn't it? But I was into it. And you're right, the crowd were into it. Like... For the for the the traveling fans who are generally the people who are coming out of this weekend, very negative because of the the WWE stank all over the place. That you know, I'm not mm-hmm. immune to that. I I feel quite strongly about that too. I get why they didn't have a good time with this match, and again, similar to the main event on night two, I get it being a long match and maybe not being to people's tastes. But it's another one where you can't really reasonably look at it and say it was a failure because yes, Karen coming in out of nowhere and winning his first carrot, his first WXW in-ring weekend is odd and set, sets alarm bells ringing. But I suppose it depends on, you know, how pessimistic you are. Because if this, you know, if there was no WWE, you know, feeling around this entire day, Karen walked in, got over on day one, mm-hmm. and he does. is that Like you say, is acting in a big arena, shot well, um or just generally his bit his act in a, in an arena he walks out to any room really at this point and he gets over and it happened he walked out and that you could tell from night one the German fans loved him night two the German fans loved him although he got a couple of boos for beating Jeff Cobb a small amount night three they loved him again he came across as a star over the weekend so I'm told myself do you say that's a success story they they in a field where, let's be honest, none of the native talents are up to scratch. That's another conversation. I don't think there is a native nope. WXW wrestler or, you know, the Dutch wrestlers or whoever. Your WXW regulars who are up to going into the final here. I see the arguments for Eddie Kingston. Personally, as a big fan of Eddie Kingston, I'm sad that didn't happen. But I do think some credit needs to go there for if. You know, I can take my tinfoil hat off and believe there's no WWE influence here in Karen O'Arg, you know, getting another big crown in a WWE influence promotion. If I can just throw that tin hat aside for a moment, WXW got a new wrestler over. He got himself over more than anything. He had a final at work for the majority of the fans in the crowd. I enjoyed it, despite it being against type, type for me. And they had somebody walk out who, who felt like a big star in WXW. So... You've, in isolation, if you can if you can possibly forget all the WWE stuff, and we have as hard a time with that as anyone, that's a success to me. I, I think wow. you know that all the other stuff's going to make me feel a bit negative coming out of the weekend and make me maybe question going back again. But if I'm putting my serious journalist hat on and, and evaluating this for what it is, they did a great job with Karina Wap, and Speed the Ball Mike Bailey was great for his part in the final and putting him over... And I do wonder if you question that out of 10 German fans walking out of the building, they'd say this was a great carrot final. So again, yeah. <laughs> as the outsiders, maybe maybe we're the outliers here.
2: Yeah, and, and just to very quickly go back to the the Gargano stuff. Like people hate the Gargano stuff because Gargano does it in every single match now. Yeah. You know what I mean? There was a time when that Gargano stuff was the reason people loved him. <laughs> yeah. They, lo- they loved the, the first Champa match. People loved all the emotional stuff. They loved the staring at the hands. It's part of what made that match special. It's just that it's typical WWE. They were on a good thing. And of course, they have to completely overdo it. And they have to put it into every match. And that's why people hated it. It became overused and overdone. And I think like every time anybody does that stuff in a match now people say, oh, it's that Gargano stuff, I hate it. But but that's not fair. Just because Johnny Gargano overdid that stuff and did it ad nauseum until everybody was sick of it, it doesn't mean that it doesn't have a time or place. It's not like Karen Noir was doing that stuff all the way through the tournament. Like yeah. His three matches were short enough, they were quick, they were pretty efficient. He got the job done. And I think at the end of a big weekend like this, in front of 1,600 people, You're allowed to be a little bit self indulgent, and that's the time to do stuff like that. It's like WrestleMania. You're, you know, Mm. Shawn Michaels is allowed to do, I'm sorry, I love you at WrestleMania in Ric Flair's last match. You know what I mean? That was never an issue. Like, this this is Karen Awards WrestleMania. It's fine for him to do that. It's if it starts to slip into every progress title match. And, like, they'd be the ones I'd, I'd be watching in terms of, they'd be the ones who'd love that kind of stuff oh, and want yeah. it in all the matches. You know what I mean? And that's when it gets silly, and that's when it gets tiresome. But as a one-off in a big match like this, like, I have no problem whatsoever with it. Like, and it's it's not, you know, it's... it. Johnny Gargano doing it all the time doesn't mean everybody can't do it sometimes. You know, and that would be my take on it. Um, And like, yeah, the the point you make about did they have any other choice but to put it on a newcomer? Because as you said, they've lost Walter. They've lost Ilya. They've lost Thatcher. They've lost Star. They're four big stars. Like, you, you go back through my spreadsheet for the last three or four years. Nearly any WXW match that's above four and a half stars has one or a combination of all those guys in it. You know what I mean? They were the top guys. They're the guys banging out the great matches in WXW over the last few years. And they're all gone. And this is the downside of of co-opting. In one way or another, WWE is involved in all of their departures. um, And you're left with guys who either aren't ready or were never good enough in the first place. So Lucky Kid probably wasn't ready. You could say that Bobby Guns is getting there, but he's just about ready at this stage. Avalanche was never good enough. Nope. Urn Simmons was never good enough. Um, who else is there? You're looking down the list. Julian Pace, decent enough. I think I'm slightly higher on him. I know you. You're. You, you. I heard you talking about him on Grapple. <laughs> I'm lying about him. I'm just letting you I- take the pelters now, James. I'm sitting back. <laughs> <laughs> he's. He's. He's good for for a certain spot on the card yeah. Is what I. Rotation is a fun wrestler. You can put him on on the undercard. But none of these guys are top guys. And none of them, quite frankly, probably ever will be. And that's the problem. So, you know, what do you do? You build someone up. I personally probably would have gone with speedball. Because in keeping with the... You know, he has a long history with WXW. But then again, maybe he's gone back to Japan for the next six months. You know what yeah. I mean? And WXW don't have him. At least Karinawar is around Europe. And he's probably accessible. You talked about throwing aside the old tin file hat there, Ben. I'll put it back on there for a second. Oh, yeah, I like that. Let's do that. Got, get, get the tin file hat. We've got the progress champion who is now the carrot winner. <laughs> is there is there something going on there? Like, I, I, I've heard all kinds of wild conspiracy theories. They're going to unify the two titles. They're going to put the two promotions on the on the WWE network and they'll have a unified title between the two companies you were one of the people who said the minute Karen I think you and Will Cooling were who said that when Karen won the progress title, he's either already signed or he'll be signed within three months. That's looking pretty likely now, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that was it. And that was, you know, with time and distance, I've kind of, you know, I can sit here and I can take my tinfoil hat off and I can talk about the positives of him winning. But that was my hmm. feeling walking out of the building. I was with everyone else going, yeah, that's it. I already thought it would progress, but there's a, it's obvious why he's won here. Of course he's signed by WWE or it's coming. I, I still, I'd really do. I've got a, if I was a betting man, that would be my bet. I mean, Glenn Joseph's going to love him. Do you reckon William Regal will love him? I reckon William Regal will love him. Uh, I, I just think he's so... I can't imagine there aren't people in power. If I want to like pretend that it's not already happened... At this point, you know those people in power have to be pushing to bring Karen Noir in. Maybe based on that David Star, uh, We the Indie podcast, he did where he did talk about like liking being like an independent performer, and he likes to have a, a strong say, and you know how his matches and and how his presentation is laid out. You know, maybe that's the the part that can you know give us some hope that that it's not coming, that he's not getting snapped up. But yeah, I, I think you know realistically, I don't think these things are coincidences. I just don't. I I just don't think, I don't think progress put their belt on somebody at this point that they don't have that plan for, um, that they don't feel safe about the fact that, you know, that's the route they're going to go eventually, even if it's not right away. And yeah, I think WXW aren't immune from that either at this point.
2: Yeah, I think that's pretty fair, and it's you know it's and again I talk about how the sad is it, thing.
1: how depressing is it? Like you know, know. And we could talk about <laughs> yeah. how great those matches, not you know great, good and very good, and maybe great for the main event. Uh, sorry, sorry for the final for Carina Waz carrot run. I can talk about how great they were in a vacuum, but how depressing is that? That that that's the situation, you know. He can come in, he can get himself over, he can be great in WXW, but we all know what's probably coming next. That's, that's you know, that's at its core, when people ask why we're so negative about progress in WXW and the like, having relationships with WWE, it's because this is the, the follow-on to... Anything you get invested in, that the most likely scenario, and it's not a, you know, not a hundred percent, but the most likely scenario is, yeah, uh, that he that he turns up on NXT UK TV, you know, next next month or at some point in the year,
2: yeah. And that's that's the sad thing about it, um but let's try and be positive, Benno, because there was some good stuff um oh, there
1: we are. is it a Jamesy section of the show?
2: not quite. I'm leaving that till the end because oh, that's a okay. really good thing. but um I just looking at the standout performers in the field, yes. and we would have to talk about bandido as a guy who 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 if he wasn't a star in people's eyes before, like he must be at this stage after that performance over the three nights
1: yeah uh, he was like I like bandido, I see I- him as one of the you know a very good wrestler who i wish you know when he signed that roh contract initially i was like oh why didn't he hang around and sign for AEW? Uh, mm-hmm. he went to ring of honor didn't he? he signed that contract and because maybe we're not all watching ring of honor you forget about bandy though when you talk about you know the great wrestlers in the world and yeah this was for me personally a reminder you know he's not the best wrestler in the world and he's not a perfect wrestler he's a wrestler of a very specific style and that style might not be for everybody but my God, is he good at that style? Like, just seeing him over this weekend, uh, you know, get pelted with notes and coins, you know, if uh, any of the Canadians or Americans still listen, like, that is a real thing that happened. Uh, the fans piled the ring with notes and bonds and there were literally fans throwing coins in the ring after this match with Speedball Mike Bailey. Like, that's how much the fans were into it. Got a bit dangerous at one point. I was kind of thinking, God, yeah, this is like this is like watching a football match when someone's trying to, like, a Liverpool player's <laughs> taking a corner at the, the, uh, at the Gladys Street end and they, uh, they get hit by a coin and it's like they've been shot. These two tough wrestlers weren't asked by it at all, uh, but like they deserved it. Like, they absolutely, for me, for that style of, you know, big spot shootout match, I thought it was brilliant, like, especially live. I enjoyed it back on the VOD as well, but just seeing how great the execution between the two was great. He had some incredible um, exchanges uh, over the weekend with Black Taurus in in the the uh, DAFTA. Daft six man uh, flippy match, which you know, Black Taurus has bought. My god, how good's that guy as well? But yeah, it was a real reminder for me because when Black Bandido got announced, I was like, ah, that's an interesting name, but you know, I'm not a, not as excited as I might have been like a couple of years ago if they announced Ray Phoenix or Pentagon. But I tell you what, yeah, after this weekend, like Bandido's one of my well, probably my favorite live wrestler to watch this weekend. And a wrestler that, yeah, if he's on a show near me again, I'll be buying a ticket.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And like, I remember when they announced the names, they made a big deal about him. Like, I remember somebody from the company saying he was the last person they announced and somebody from the company said, oh, like, wait till you see who number 16. I think it was maybe Felix Kohlenberg tweeted out something like that. Like, oh, like number 16 is going to absolutely blow your socks off. And then it was Bandido. And like, I like Bandido or say before this weekend, I would have liked Bandito like you on a certain level, but like I was expecting something completely mind-blowing when they were blow- building him up. Like and like, Bandido is someone I've seen in OTT already. You know what I mean? He's done the rounds of most of the major promotions, but like he felt like he went to another level on this weekend. And like the thing that impresses me the most about him is you can't really classify him as one type of wrestler. He can fly. He can do all the dives, um, but he can like, he's a hoss like he, he was catching Jeff Cobb at one point he can catch people out of midair not a bother on him um he's an incredible base he, he can just do everything you know what I mean and um I would say the Bailey match would be of the tournament matches of the you know the, the actual tournament itself I'd say mm. that was by far the best match and it needed, um, it. It needed that match Yeah, exactly. Every carrot needs a kind of like, remember we talked about the Walter Phoenix match from last year and that Mm. that moment where he power bombed him. That was the match that was approaching the level of that one, I would say. You know what I mean? And that's the one that I would say to people, if you are really lightly cherry picking this, you you can't skip past that. Like, that's an amazing match. Um, The the other person I just wanted to very briefly mention, because I know he's someone you think of as highly as me, is Eddie Kingston. Like this, this European run that Eddie Kingston has been on has been Nothing short of phenomenal. Like, and and the thing about Eddie Kingston is, I, like, I look back through my match ratings and my spreadsheet. I'm not giving Eddie Kingston four stars or more. I'm not giving his matches four or more very often. But what I'm coming away from his matches, I'm giving him his like. If I could give the individual wrestler in the match a rating. I'm giving Eddie Kingston four and a half stars every time. Like, his individual <laughs> performances within matches are unbelievable. And, like, I've seen him live in OTT now a couple of times as well. He's such an amazing live performer, performer like facial expressions, trash talking in the ring. He, he completely, he's like Shah Samuels in the way that he's, he's this hardened veteran at this stage who completely understands his role, completely knows how to work to a live audience. He's he's a bit like Ishi in New Japan, where he's clearly this ass kicker who can hit really hard, but he also understands that it's impo- it's important to show that you're vulnerable as well. You know what I mean? So there's points in matches where he'll he'll try and fire up, and then he'll suddenly kind of collapse down because he's selling for someone, or he'll sell his hand after he chops someone. He'll do the little fine detail things that I want to see a wrestler do. Like mm. Eddie King is a fucking amazing mm. professional wrestler, and I I, I dearly wish that this Eddie Kingston was doing these European tours maybe two or three years ago when all the top guys who who have been signed away were around. like Because you could imagine him against a Zack Sabre Jr. or him against a Will Ospreay or him against a Pete Dunne when he was at his peak in 2016. It's just, he, he, it, the, the only sad thing about his European run is the opponents aren't here for him. And that's yeah. the thing, He's not having the four star matches because, quite frankly, the people aren't here who are good enough to have the four star matches with them, and that—that's the pity, really. He's kind of had this late career peak. If this—if he had come along two or three years ago, like you're talking about, one of the best wrestlers mm-hmm. in the world, you know. Yeah,
1: and and you know, to, to your point you said uh, earlier on there, you know, sometimes Eddie Kingston, as much as I like him, his matches don't add up to the sum of the parts, do they? You know, yeah. that does happen yeah. with Eddie Kingston, and I had that caution of people going, he should have been in the in the final, you know, and I was like, ah, oh, would it have been as good as the final that we had? Maybe, but you know, I've seen great Eddie Kingston matches, and I've seen Eddie Kingston matches that I really enjoyed, but maybe we're on that next level. But he's he's engaging. He is for me. Maybe he's not the level of the in room worker of Matt Riddle and Chris Hero. But he, he has had the impact on Europe these last few months that, 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 that those guys did. Maybe not for as long a period as we all wanted. Probably because of all the coronavirus stuff. He's had to go home a little bit early. But like, as far as generating interest in Britrez, generate an interest in a in a progress feud, generate an interest in a dream match with LA Park in RevPro yeah. on a local yeah. level. I got to see him and David Starr tear it up in a match that was just a it was a nothing match, but they made it mean something at, at TNT Extreme. They made it feel like a real a grudge, really, like a two mates in, in a match at the start. And then, you know, as things go on, they get more competitive and they yeah. tell a great story with it. And through this tournament, it was the same thing. You know, he was, you know, him and Daniel Daniel McAbee, like that's a match that's going to be, that that's a stars clash. And it was a stars clash. And maybe Eddie Kingston, you know, as a big personality he got a lot of crowd support in that one that maybe hated a little bit from from our, from our mate Daniel's point of view as that maybe mm. the more of the baby face in the match but it was still great still I loved him blowing through the rotation like rotation who a lot of people had hopes for as you said earlier isn't isn't quite there yet to go any further in the tournaments but you know king's the blow through him was a was a great time for me i really enjoyed it and yeah he added just cutting little promos after each of his matches added so much to the weekend like he's a. Yes. Uh, so as indies go he's hall of famer isn't he it's him it's punk
2: Absolutely.
1: maybe hero i don't know who else is up there you know david star obviously as, as indie promos like he is you know hall of fame level and yeah this was it was great to see considering he couldn't make it out to tag league that he made it out to carrot for this and it, it's great to see that maybe um you know me and you as the hardened you know mid-2000s indie fans that have seen Eddie Kingston for years and years like we always knew you know he was one of, He was a great promo oh, we always knew yeah. he was a great character and it does feel like a lot more of the world at least in our part of the world I've opened their eyes up to him with this last run because yeah this has been a just a real career highlight for Eddie Kingston yeah Brit Rez all of the Brit Rez promotion should be doing a Dixie Carter with Hulk Hogan and holding on to his leg <laughs> uh, next time he tries to get on a flight and go back to America because yeah <laughs> I want to I want to see him live over here at this point James we need we the yeah. year Kingston in the uh, the UK and Europe.
2: He's a he's a treasure. He's a genuine treasure, and hopefully he keeps doing it for a long, long time. Um, sure. Let's talk about ambition, Benno <laughs> um, There was, you know, I, I I had to cancel my my trip to Carrot at very very short notice, and it was genuinely I was gutted about it. You know, I, I had been looking forward to this trip for a long, long time. Everything about Carrot, the you know, the time with friends, the wrestling. But you know, and I'm sitting at home for that weekend, and I'm watch following along on Twitter, and like, you know, there's there's pangs of regret every now and again, but like, it really hit me on the Saturday lunchtime mm-hmm. when you guys were all over at watching ambition, and like, I, I'm I'm following the thing, refreshing my Twitter feed every two or three minutes to see who's won matches and that kind of thing, like, and just if ever there was a show made for me, like, you've got Daniel Macabre, um a wrestler that I've championed for a long, long time now at this stage, winning ambition in a bloody iron <laughs> jersey. <I know. laughs> we have, you have the young guns beating the absolute shit out of each other in, 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 a, in a showcase match. And then you have Daisuke Ikeda and Yuki Ishikawa, two, two men with the combined age of over 100 years of age, the saltiest veterans on the planet. <laughs> just absolutely pulverizing each other it's everything i could ever have wanted from a wrestling show and like even just watching it on vod was an absolute pleasure like I'm like glad. I, I am- uh, ambition is the, is the thing that I love I, 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 the wrestling part of these weekends you know the big tournament is great the big main event on night two the thing that I love is ambition I, I think being in that there's something special that I think you'll agree with me about being in that room it's a smaller crowd you only get the real hardcore fans that will go to ambition on the Saturday morning it's um, it's respectful People are there to watch wrestling. Mm. You know what I mean? Everybody in the room is focused on the wrestling. There's no city chanting. There's nobody there trying to get themselves over. And that that, that would usually annoy us at a bigger wrestling show. It's quiet. It's respectful. It's about the wrestling. It's exactly the type of wrestling that I love. Um, It's just, it's it's everything I want in wrestling, really. You know what I mean? And, Mm. like, that Ishikawa and Ikeda match, like... I I was delighted to hear that Ikeda was coming over, but um, I was kind of thinking in my head, you know, two fifty-year-olds. How good can the match be if the both guys are fifty years of age? You know what I mean. And my, my my very good knowledgeable friend Boz Johnny was kind of in my ear, kind of saying like, "Don't expect too much from Ikeda. Like he's he's fairly broken down at this stage. His matches aren't all that anymore." You know. So my my, re, my expectations were at at a reasonable level for the match. And then these guys go out, like, and have this match. Would you even call it wrestling? It's just two guys fighting, basically, isn't it? <laughs> like, like gouging each other's eyes. I love it. Biting, biting each other's hands to break holes. Shoot, punching each other in the face. <laughs> shoot headbutts. Really gritty grappling shown in, thrown in stiff kicks. Like, this is in my top three matches of the year. Like, this was just something else. I I, I watched this match today at lunchtime in my car. And the noises that I was making watching this match, sitting on (laughs) my own in the car park of work, if people had heard me, they wouldn't know what the hell is going on in that car. Like, it was just something amazing. Like, I mean, to, to, to see that match in person must have been something else. Like,
1: i it's more listening listening to you, how much you enjoyed it. Like, means I think this is one of those, I'm, I'm happier that you enjoyed it than I am that I, <laughs> that I enjoyed it. Like, I, I was hopeful. I thought, oh, this is, it was such a Jamesy show. And, like, you know, uh, I know you're not the type, but like, I think everyone there was just thinking of you and wishing you were there. And I know you wouldn't <laughs> want that spotlight, but we all were. And yeah, it was, it was, it was incredible to be there live. Like I, I, I'm, you know, I'm someone who, you know, it's not always my favorite style, but there is something about being, like you said, being at these ambition shows that is, it's a real highlight of the weekend. It's worth, you know, maybe if you don't get out of bed for the cult show, it's worth getting out of bed for the ambition show, getting yourself there. And yeah, it is the it's the best atmosphere of the weekend, despite the fact it might, it might be one of the quieter atmospheres of the weekend. Like you said, it's just nice. It's respectful, and it's the right place to see, you know, a super fight like this. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it was. I rewatched it on VOD, and I really enjoyed it. I saw your tweet earlier today where you kind of said you were going to save your takes for the show, and I thought, <laughs> oh god, what if Jamesy somehow hated this? I was like, there's no way he would. I can't think how Ever. he would, but maybe he yeah. did. Because like I was, I was stood next. To, it was funny. I was stood next to Alan cheap shot and he was not so hot on maybe you know some of the rougher looking head headbutt and punches. And I right. can see that yeah. that criticism. But at the end of the day, are you really going to go up to these two and tell them what to do? Because I'm not. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, so- <laughs> the ref couldn't. So they were literally <laughs> just ignoring Taz every time he oh. give the.
2: Like, break the ropes, they were like, fuck off.
1: <laughs> That's it, like, kicking each other when they're on the floor, grounded, like, digging each other in the ribs while they're on the floor. Like, there was just, yeah, no adherence to the rules. And I thought Taz was great for his part, just going, all right, lads, you want to have a scrap? Have a scrap. Go for it. And, yet, the yeah, w- I think the way it escalated with its starting is like the, you know, exchanging, trying to go for submissions – Kind of building with like the little cheap shots on the floor, and then turning now to a, to an all-out fight. Like you say, that 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 mo that, that running headbutt moment is a moment that will stick with oh. me for the rest yeah. of my time as a lot one of the loudest sounds and i was again up on the balcony for it one of the loudest sounds <laughs> i've heard at a wrestling <laughs> show and it was just crazy but no i'll get out the way the, the people who want to hear you for this one james you're like well, I'm, I'm so glad you loved it and yet yeah, this was what, what did you go star wise on it because i, I had a couple of five stars for it i didn't go that far but uh, what, what were you thinking was this your match of the I, night at least
2: it was my match of the weekend yeah uh, I, I went 4.75 on it um It's just like, it's, it's, as I said, we've said everything that needs it. Like, it's very hard to break down these matches and talk about them in detail, you know, especially shoot style wrestling. It's not conducive to, you know, the usual way we'd analyze wrestling matches, you know, but like as, as, as a realistic match, as a struggle, like the, the big thing that I left me thinking about after watching this match, is young wrestlers are complete pussies compared to these guys. <laughs> 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 Man, me- you I yeah.
1: saw a in McDonald's the morning after with a plaster <laughs> on his forehead, knocking back a nice little espresso and a milkshake. He was fine. After oh, the young wrestlers in the world, they'd be in hospital at that point.
2: Yeah, that's it. And if a young wrestler did all those shoot headbutts in a match, I would be given out a concerned. but it's like... It's almost like normal rules shouldn't apply to these two guys they have earned the right to headbutt each other if that's what they want to do you know what i mean and like the nice thing of the whole thing was nobody was having more fun in that room than those two guys you know what i mean two guys who have battled for 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 most of their careers who have had many many matches over the years between tag matches and singles matches they were having an absolute ball you know what i mean and the actual incredible thing did you see that tweet yesterday that um, Ishikawa has gone into hospital to have surgery on his back. Yeah, that's so right. Yeah, lower lumbar stenosis. I don't know what that means, but it sounds serious. <laughs> <laughs> a, 50, a 53-year-old who was going in for back surgery a week later goes out and has that match. Like just unbelievable stuff. Like, and these Ishikawa matches are fast becoming uh, like. If he's announced for carrot next year no matter what my concerns no matter what my misgivings i'm probably going to go if he's on the card because like last year he had the thatcher match Mm -hmm. and he had that tag match at inner circle as well with walter and i think it was Irie. (laughs) like he's he's literally coming and having this one great match a year and he's doing it in germany like and you have to give wxw credit for for pulling these things out of the hat like you know the co-opting is one thing and that's the stuff that'll put the hardcore fans like us off. But then they throw these kind of things in for us. They'll book a Maccabee to mm-hmm. win an ambition. You know what I mean, a, a guy who's who wasn't very well known a couple of years ago. Like, and they've really gotten behind him. Like, this is the third ambition tournament they've put him in. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So they, they'll throw the hardcore nerds and will uh, you know, they, they'll put they'll put the, the Ethan Allen and Luke Jacobs on for the Ogdens as well. You know what I mean? Like they'll they'll put these matches on that'll that'll draw in us even if we have misgivings about everything else that's going on the weekend. So it's a very varied weekend when you look across all the cards they put on, you know, so mm. just yeah, just incredible stuff, you know yeah. what I mean, and it's, it's yeah, it's like it's, it's, there won't be very many matches better than that this year, and the two guys with a combined age of over 100, like it's just... Yeah. extraordinary stuff really like isn't it you know
1: it's crazy it's crazy like that was one of my favourite things of the show getting to see that on one end of the scale and getting to see the young ones at the other end of the scale like if you squashed Ethan Allen and Luke Jacobs together to make one human with their combined age they wouldn't hit either of those two <laughs> you know what I mean they wouldn't even come close Like, it could be their grandchildren. and I'm not 100% on this but it, even then you probably wouldn't get the in-ring experience of Yuki Ishikawa from their Neither. two combined age on the actual uh-huh. planet like that's it's ridiculous and that's what i loved it was like it was a it was a clash of old versus new like the young yeah, ones yeah that was like the ogden Invitational, like you mentioned like i was i'm someone who you know i you know, wrestled in the northwest i've got friends in the northwest i feel like i'm part of the northwest wrestling scene but yeah. i'm not that much of a part of it anymore but even i was stood there like the ogdens were like proud dads you know Jeff had a tear in his eye, as did Andy. And I'm mad enough to say, I think I felt like I did a little bit as well, because I felt, I genuinely felt proud of like two of our, two lads from, you know, my ends of the world at 18 and 19 years old. Going out there on a weekend like this and you know, they didn't go as all out as they did in the Tetsuja match. I think they knew the place, to be honest. I think they were right. I think yeah. they, they showed enough to get themselves over, and they probably did more than a lot of the the matches that went before them. Cause they should also, because they've got to get themselves over. But like this was you know, as well as, you know, the the legend uh, shoot style match, this was, you know, as far as like the Literal young gun uh, shoot shoot style match. This was a real memory of the weekend for me, and it was you know it was Luke Jacobs in his best role as the as the as kind of the bully dominating most of the match. Ethan Allen, for his part, is incredible as an underdog selling, and yeah, it, it felt like you know they're a, they're a secret they've been a real secret in the northwest something we all talk about up here and you'll hear the Ogdens have really talked about the last couple of years as, as proud dads as they are this felt like a real coming out party to them i don't know what did you make of it on VOD did it come across that way because yeah I, maybe, maybe it's the northwest bias but i would this was definitely my second best second favorite match on card
2: Oh yeah, no, no. There was it was really, really good. Uh, As you said, I would say the Tetsujin match was was a step above it. Mm -hmm. Um, Like that Tetsujin match was as good as any British match last year, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, This was a step below, and as you said, in a way, that speaks to their maturity that that they kind of. They knew that they, they were they were in the what were they after the first round matches like? You know what I mean? Yeah. That they, they weren't the main super fight they weren't the main event, they didn't try to overshadow people too much. And and that speaks to their maturity as well, because normally you'd expect two 18 year olds to just go hell for leather and you know not care. Their best to get themselves over. And clearly WXW liked them. Like they, they literally Taz Taz was actually the ref for the Tetsujin match. That's right. And he went backstage. Apparently, straight after that match, he said, you two guys are on ambition. Literally booked them on the spot. I'd never seen them wrestle before. I'd never even heard of them. So clearly they think, and and they won that tag gauntlet as well uh, on one of the nights, on on the second night. So Mm -hmm. clearly he likes them. And that speaks, you know, hopefully they'll get some more bookings in Germany. Because if anything, the German fans would nearly appreciate their style more than the UK fans. Like the German fans really like a kind of hard-nosed you know, grapple style. Like they really like you, know, you look at the people they've they've liked over the years, the Tim Thatchers and the Walters and that kind of thing. Like and those guys are kinda they're the next generation of those type of wrestlers now. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. Please God, NXT UK keeps the fuck away from them for a while. That's the only thing. You're, you're, you know, you're nearly afraid to come on here and talk someone up because fucking two or three months later they're gone. You know?
1: Yeah, yeah. I made that mistake. Matt Richards is a friend of mine and was asking how they did because he knows them. He's from the northwest. And yeah, I kind of yeah. made the comment, mate. You should, I feel like you guys should be booking them. And then I like, yeah, I'm thinking to myself, actually, maybe they shouldn't. Let, let's hope they <laughs> don't. Let's let's hope they go the Rev Pro route. Let's hope they go the OTT. I mean, to be honest, I can't see their style working in Pro in well they work in progress but I can't see it working in WWE Um, but yeah the the world is their oyster at this point they are Gonna be one of the biggest. I think they're, they're already feeling starting to, to get that 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 way. But they're gonna be one of the biggest things in Brit wrestling. They're in the DTTI coming up if if and when it happens. Yeah. Uh, and they're gonna be I mean, rev Pro need to get on the phone and start using them regularly. Ott needs to yeah. start using them regularly. And WXW, you would imagine, like you say, after Tass loving them so much, and I did, I asked him in the press conference about it, and he was pretty much beaming with with how they'd done. Um, you know, they're the, the young wrestlers, so you don't want to give them too much of an ego, and you know, maybe. We're putting a lot of hope in them because of you know the the, the state of affairs, but they're showing, yeah. But they're showing, they're showing something, aren't they? Are they're showing something different, yeah. and they've carved out a really unique niche for themselves, so no I do want to see them them pushed on, but you know I've got to ask you jamesy like i'll, I'll take i I'll pretend I'm martin for this this last little bit i've got to ask you about uh, daniel macabe's uh, tournament people don't want to hear me talk about it they want to hear you you know it was very sad that you weren't there it was it was great to see him you know win it with the island jersey uh, what did you think yeah. of as his, uh, his weekend in general, and what did you uh, you think of as as uh, tournament
2: yeah like you talk about the Ogdens and being a proud dad and that kind of thing. Like it's, he's, he's a guy that I, I kind of, I found myself becoming very emotionally invested in over the years. You know what I mean? Like he, he when I started watching him or when I saw him first, it was on the recommendation of literally a friend of his who showed me the Thatcher match. Oh wow. Back years, the first Thatcher match. There was a, there's a guy that I'm afraid, you know, you know, Brock hates wrestling the the, the blog. Yeah,
1: that's right. Brock,
2: yeah. 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 He, he would have written with us on wrestling with words Way, way back. Uh, and he, he one day we still have the Slack chat going from that website that's since kicked the bucket. And um, he put this match up in the Slack chat. God, you're talking two or three years ago at this stage. And it was it was Maccabi against Thatcher. And like I saw this match and I was blown away by this guy. And I started seeking out his matches and found his home promotion and started watching his matches and found, my, found myself starting to get up in the mornings. Like early on, like I remember the Gresham match he had in, in 3 2 1 battle, his home promotion. And I'm finding myself getting up at 6 a.m. on a Saturday to watch this guy's match on Twitch with about three or four other people watching it live. Like, you know what I mean? So, really kind of investing time in this guy and. Um, I feel like he's one of the best, genuinely one of the best wrestlers out there in the indies, one of the best technical wrestlers in the world. Like he should be in that ROH Pure title tournament, for example. Like that's the level he should be at. You know what I mean? And he's been very, very unlucky a lot of really great matches that he, that he should have had have gone by the wayside in the last two or three years. Like, um, he was meant to wrestle Mike Quackabush at one point it fell through. He had matches lined up at WrestleMania weekend last year that fell through. His WrestleMania weekend this year would have been a massive breakout. Like, he had matches lined up with Fred A. and Nick Gage he was going to wrestle on another show. You know, <laughs> match that, matches, matches that would put him on a platform. You know what I mean? Um, and that's all gone by the wayside. So, I'm just really, and he missed out on his chance to wrestle in Ireland. You know what I mean? And, Um, A few friends of mine, um, I won't say it was my idea, presented him with an Ireland jersey at Tag Festival in October, and... I kind of had it in my head that he might wear the jersey during the tournament I I was kind of thinking would he do it or would he maybe save it for the OTT thing and lo and behold of course the the tweets come through then that he's wearing the jersey for the final of ambition and I'm I'm sitting at home weeping to myself on the couch that I'm not there to see it but uh, like he he did he he was a great credit to himself for the whole weekend I don't think he he, I don't think he let himself down in any way I think his ambition run was great I thought the 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 match with Kev Lloyd Kev Lloyd has really come on an awful lot in the first round he's he's he actually did that seminar with Yuki Ishikawa I believe during the week and he's really become adept at the grappling style um I, I thought his the the match with um Scotty was good in the semi-final and the final against Ridgway was really good and like we should give Ridgway a little nod here as well Ridgway has gotten very very good in the space of his time in Noah there's there's a meanness about him that he didn't have before there's an authority about him in the way he carries himself he was really really great in that in that final against Maccabi as well um I thought the Eddie Kingston match in Carras was really good. I thought he did his best with Marius Alani and <laughs> got about as good a match out of Marius Alani as you could possibly have. Um, so yeah, did himself no harm whatsoever. I, I, they really like him in WXW. Like they, they've they've they, they booked him. That's twice they brought him to Germany. They booked him in the show in Canada um, last year as well. So they clearly like him. Um, he had, Again, he has that style that would get over with um, German crowds. But the one thing he's going to have to do is stop wearing the Chelsea jersey because he's just... Didn't go <laughs> down just, well. He's fighting from underneath straight away. That's just the, maybe the least popular club in world football. So we'll have to have a word. If he wears that Ireland jersey all the time, he'd be fine. Everybody loves the Irish. He'd be grand. Yeah. But yeah, he did did himself proud this weekend, I think, and really gutted, like everybody was sad not to see John Moxley for Scrapper Mania weekend and not to see the stadium show. The one that really broke my heart is that we were going to get on the following day we were going to get Starr against Maccabee on the Sunday in the very very small venue the ringside club. Probably two or three hundred people in it. It's like the perfect venue. I always sat in that venue and thought God like it's the perfect venue for a Daniel Maccabee match. And like, Can you imagine what him and Starr could do as well with all the mat work and all that kind of thing and you can imagine he'd come out in the Ireland jersey and oh. Starr shitting on him for doing that and you oh, know, it would have been perfect. It would have been the perfect end to a great week of wrestling. And as it happened, I got to see none of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's POD, a... and that's, that's as good as that's the next best thing, I suppose.
1: Oh, I'm glad you. I'm glad you got to get that because yeah, this was yeah, it did feel like this was the most Jamesy the show felt. I think I sent a photo to you <laughs> immediately of him in the in the shirt. Yeah. I,
0: think,
2: I, got, I think I had seven or eight DMs during the course of that show. I think, yeah, <laughs> amazing. But yeah, I think he.
1: He's someone like a Thatcher who WXW fans are, are gonna fall in love with. And it started to happen, maybe not quite to the you know, to to the top level yet, but them putting the faith in him in, in having him win ambition. I didn't love them uh, having him lose yeah. to Alani on the nighttime show. Like why yeah. would you do that? Fresh off a, an ambition win. I just don't think I'm like, yeah, I don't think Marius Alani's ever happening. Um, he can do as many cartwheels into ankle locks as he wants. Um, <laughs> yeah. He shouldn't be going over Daniel Carvan, should he? Yeah. Um, yeah, based on an ambition. Man. But you know, minor complaint. I'm sure you know, uh, McCarvey himself's not com- not complaining about that. And yeah, I'm sure he's going to be a fixture you now. I think going forward of of WXW Big Weekenders and hopefully regular shows as well. Because yeah, he he offers something different, and he is the type of wrestler that these fans will fall in love with and are starting to fall in love with. And I think yeah, you you probably hopefully, you know, once we all get things up and running again, it's probably gonna happen in Ireland as well. And yeah, on a personal level, a couple couldn't happen to a nicer bloke either and a better uh, yeah, post wrestling interviewee. Um uh,
2: yeah, what am I? Exactly. We'll get him on later in the year, and he can tell us all about us. Um, <laughs> sure. we'll, we'll have to teach him how to keep the lid on that trophy. I saw him drop the lid about three or four <laughs> times celebrating. And again in the nighttime show. Um, have you anything else to add on on your weekend, Benno? Um, I think we've covered all the major points at this point.
1: Yeah, I think we've hit all all the big talking points. You know, I'd agree with you on Ridgway. You know, you came across legitimate throughout the weekend. I double down on the love for Black Taurus. You know, he's a wrestler. Ooh, I came out of this weekend thinking, what a wrestler that man is. I want to see more of him around the world. Uh, yeah, I came out negative on the WXW the, the native talent. I think that's an easy argument to people to say. People said that about progress. Oh, we've got the next level coming in. But when your next level's, you know, Maggot and Prince Ahura, and it's Marisolari, oh. and it's, sorry, Yairn Simmons, uh, never race and <laughs> <him>, never will. <laughs> if it's, you know, and it's rotation who people want to be good and hopefully we'll get there at least he's got a crowd connection i'll give him that julian pace you know someone who you know he needs to bin the race car gimmick like let's get rid of that and then maybe i'll start taking him seriously there was a that was a big negative for me i think maybe my worry about the wxw kind of undercard and Mm. what we we should expect you know going forward who's going to step into the big spots going forward and you know and I've got misgivings about the WWE relationship and I feel quite bitter about David Starr having to leave you know due to all of the yeah. WWE stuff going on in the background but at the same time I think I'm probably still going to go you know the next weekend I'm, I'm umming and ahhing about the, you know the Grand Prix at the end of the year maybe you know five days is too much maybe I'll go for the last yeah. three maybe I'll hang out, for, hang on for next year's carrot but I will say you know I went to this carrot thinking it was going to be my last thinking you know maybe the bloom's going to be off the rose and there is because again. Concern, but there was enough great stuff that Ambition Day, you know, the big matches, seeing Bandido, you know, Karen Wa's performance throughout the weekend despite the politics, and just generally being there at Oberhausen. I do, you know, for a uh, what is essentially a you know a big shopping center and not much else <laughs> it's a place i really enjoy going to and it's the people yeah. you see when you're there yeah. it's the wrestling you see when you're there and it's just the community aspect uh that, that happens there as well so yeah you know i'm probably gonna eat my own words and find myself out there next year regardless uh but yeah you know despite some of my misgivings i did have a hell of a time um and i do still yeah love traveling out to that place
2: yeah, I'd be the same. I, And I, I, especially having missed this year's one, I'm kind of thinking I'll at least get one more year out of it next year anyway. Yeah. Hopefully we'll we have vanquished the coronavirus and found a vaccine <laughs> at that stage and we'll all be able to fly at fly will can, again. Could we vanquish
1: NXT UK and uh, find a, a vaccine for that as well maybe in the meantime? Maybe that'll help. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. No amount of hand-washing will wash that stink off you, I think, unfortunately. Uh, no, sadly not exactly so i suppose we should sign off from there ben have you anything to plug at the moment you you had a great few weeks there on grapple a will cooling team show i think i, I haven't <laughs> listened to yet i'm still in the throes of listening to the will cooling tribute hour that you had last week
1: oh cheers yeah that, that was a lot of fun what what a legend will cooling is uh, exactly, that's a reason really. to go to carrot you can you can go out there you can see will cooling with his <laughs> with his braces on smoking a cigar knocking back some rum sat out the Oberhaza McDonald's like that's a sight like you need to see that I saw him talk his way out of a German bus fan as well that I mentioned on Grapple you know that's, that's a talent to be the uh, oh I don't understand Wait, sorry was I supposed to pay for this bus he did the whole classic Englishman act on the bus and that was uh, so I am just. I think maybe I just want to plug Will Cooling in general read his stuff <laughs> he's a proper jailer. that's the chances maybe
2: we'll do an interview with Will Cooling we're looking for people to interview there you go yeah. we'll do the Will
1: Cooling special but yeah, we did spend pretty much our our post carrot episode just talking about Will. But you check that out. Our last show, the WWE WrestleMania news literally broke during the show, so you get oh, yeah. uh, you get Joe and, and JP, but you know, mainly Joe's uh, strong reaction. Let's say uh, to that news coming out uh, at about the hour and ten minute mark. That uh, I think people should listen to. And yeah, I was on the the cafe hangout last week, and I think generally I, I'd like to just plug Post in general. What a job John and Wei are doing. With you, know, yeah. with, you know, a story as big as the coronavirus, and I know it's not for everybody, uh, a wrestling site covering it in the detail of covering it, but they are doing as good a job no, no, as no. Any, immediate, any media outlet. I was on the hangout with Dr. Alex Patel, and Dr. Alex yep. Patel was a, what a guest that man was. Uh, he's been doing the rounds since, uh, rightly so, uh,
2: but I, I felt we, like I I'll, respect- what was that, mate? We got him first. We, we got, got him, him we first. There, but... <laughs> there you
1: go. Yeah, and yeah, and he's someone who, like, I-, I learnt more listening to him than I did, you know, following the news in this country about the issue. <laughs> and John aways <laughs> coverage in general of it, you know, covering the WrestleCon uh, stuff, the interview they have with me. Is it Michael Bocaccino? I'll uh, probably butchered his uh, surname there, but the WrestleCon guy, Uh, John did a great interview with him as well, way to the cafe hangout tonight on his own, from his own house that people should check out, so yeah, just uh, a plug for post-wrestling in general there from me
2: Absolutely, yeah, it it would make you proud to be involved with this network when you see the level of coverage that those guys have been putting out in the last while, you know what I mean And Mm -hmm. two guys who just go about their business you never see them on Twitter trying to rile people up or anything like that, it's almost like they're above all that kind of thing, you know what I mean Uh, two top class journalists uh, and the very very best in the game so yeah as I said thanks to them for having us on here Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Jamesy underscore 2015 quick plug for a podcast that actually myself and Alan Forel recorded on Carrot Weekend I should thank Alan and Sarah for their kind hospitality that weekend Um, in the midst of all our Carrot Sadness they invited me over to their house and we had a grand old time watching some classic Noah some classic Nitro some classic we were watching Battle Arts and Dragon Gate and all kinds of things and we were recorded impromptu podcast over there on the ProRes Paradise and PW Torch a couple of weeks ago so um go back and find that I think it was a pretty good podcast mm. um Apart from that, uh, you can follow this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, any of the normal places where you find podcasts. Um, We will have to make a change to our normal schedule of reviewing shows, I think, Benno, because there will be no wrestling to review in the forthcoming future. So So we're we're putting our heads together. We have some good plans, I think, of maybe a few interviews or some retro reviews in the next few weeks. But no matter what, we will have some content for people every two weeks to try and keep their minds off the coronavirus. So, um, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Stay safe and see you soon.